Only a 12th level intellect has the slightest hope of surviving what you are about to experience. First I mean, episode, we started talking about coffee. And yeah, people which did... people really liked a lot in the comments. They, <laughs> they were like, oh, I love hearing about what you're drinking. They did. Uh, they were like, yeah, spend five times <laughs> talking about your coffee every episode. See how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, just to spite them. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, we definitely got a comment the first episode of like, um, I'm three minutes into this podcast and you're still talking about coffee. I'm like, this is a podcast. What do you expect? But it, but it was her first impression. And so it's like, yeah. oh, they're just being also, awkward. Also, we weren't using our radio voices. That's right. Not, uh, Ladies and so. gentlemen, I, I have a, a pre-announcement. We are doing this episode late night. The first time the 12th level mm -hmm. intellects have ever done a PM recording. That's not true. I, it's in the afternoon for me. It's in the morning for you. Because I'm East Coast, you're West Coast. Yeah. And we usually do well, like 1 p.m., 10 a.m. So I, it is It is a p.m. for me. It's just <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's later than you. Yeah, like I'm at 7.30, you're at 10.30. It's still uh, It's still later than usual. It I'm going to crack open this uh, <coughs> coffee here. Oh, that's a nice coffee you have. <laughs> I've got, I'm on my second <coughs> coffee. <laughs> Now, oh, this you're is... so you're so much more caffeinated than me already. Are we going to spend um, five five minutes of this episode talking about beer? Can we do that? Yeah, um, I think we're <laughs> happening see, right we're now. About two minutes in at this point. Oh, so we so got three we to spare. Probably keep. We got one more minute. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right, um, that's fair. So, what are you <laughs> so drinking, I'm drinking over there? A, a, a Bud Light. Oh my God! Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I wasn't, but it was all that I had. <laughs> you're better off with a glass of water. <laughs> I've yeah. got the Sierra Nevada little hazy little thing over here. It's a hazy IPA. Yeah, I'm I'm still gonna prefer this to that because I hate IPAs. They're disgusting. I don't know why anyone drinks them. This it's one's bad. very grape. It's bad. It's got grapefruit. It's a my friend John uh, really likes IPAs, and every time that. I'm over and he's drinking one. He's like drinking it super fast. And I'm like, how can you drink that? It's so gross. He's like, yeah, that's why you got to drink it fast. Like, then what's the point? <laughs> Just find one that tastes good. I don't know. Yeah, find one that tastes good. That's what I say. You don't have to drink gross Not beer. Not that Bud Light tastes good, but you know what I'm saying. Nobody makes you drink gross beer. Welcome to the 12th level intellect. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what I do. <laughs> steal, steal, if you steal my sunshine, I'm James Strecker. And you are who again? The sunshine stealer. Ted Kendrick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ted Kendrick. That's me. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, the gags, the running gags. Um, yeah, this is a this is a podcast about geek stuff. Um, we'll eventually like I was thinking about how we, we try to keep it very DC Marvel related, heavily DC. But we're going to be like talking about the new Predator movie in a couple of weeks. That's we're true. Be, <laughs> we talked about, uh, uh, oh, something else recently. We've talked about the Han oh, Solo. We talked yeah. about Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. It's just weekly geekly. That's all. Weekly geek, bi weekly, bi geekly, because we're two people, or is that sure? Is that two uh, sexual overtones for the podcast? You, you tell me, James. So, what are we talking about today? I don't know. We're gonna be talking to uh, the dynamic music partners, which is uh, Lolita Ritmanis, Michael McQuistion, Christopher Carter. Uh, they are the composers for the DCAU shows and a bunch of other DC and Marvel animated series. Uh, 
they're pretty cool. Uh, it was awesome to get to talk to all three of them. I only I contacted, I tried to contact Christopher Carter on Instagram. He didn't respond. That was months ago. Mm. And then I contacted the leader at Manus with one tweet that was like, "Hey, you want, would you like to be have an interview?" And then she was like, "Yeah, let's do it," and tagged everyone else. And I was like, "Awesome!" Now <laughs> okay. fill me in because I actually wasn't on the interview. You did the interview mm-hmm. with Adam Mullen, who does our um, yeah. intro mm-hmm. music and all the Legacies promo music and stuff. So the yeah, dynamic, so when I say we, it's yeah, not it wasn't me. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. hop out for that part of the conversation. But just to uh, remind our audience, the dynamic music partners are the people who did all the music for pretty much all the DCAU. Oh, yeah, I said that, that. How drunk are you already? I'm not drunk. <laughs> I was just checking with you. Did they do Batman the Animated Series? Like, is this the group that spun out of like Shirley Walker's? Yeah. Leadership? So Shirley Walker, like, they explain it uh, when we talk to them because we ask them about like how they got into it and stuff. But like the way I understand, it, Shirley Walker. You know, composed the Batman animated series theme and a bunch of other music, and then kind of realized like, oh, this is a big like undertaking. I need like minions, uh-huh. and so then she uh, composed Despicable Me, and there were minions Shh. everywhere. This is a lie. This is a bad joke. That didn't um, happen. She got, she got these three people uh, plus like at least two or three others, I think. But then those other ones like didn't gel as well or didn't move on and do more stuff. These mm-hmm. other guys, these ones that we talked to, they kind of came together as a team eventually after doing these shows together for so long. And by the time of Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, it was like, these are the people to use Use these people. Cool. <laughs> they do great stuff. And I talked about how uh, there's a Batman Beyond special feature. Uh, I think it's on the Return of the Joker DVD where – uh, they show like the guy who performed the guitar in the theme song. Oh, nice! And he has like super long blonde hair, and he's like rocking out the whole time and going. That's sweet. And for years, I thought that was Christopher Carter, one of the composers. <laughs> and so I met, I told that to him, and they all like laughed really hard at that. And I was glad that they did because I was like, oh, that could go one way or the other. Where uh-huh. they're like, really, maybe they hated that guy or something. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So why why couldn't you get Shirley Walker on the podcast? Well, that's uh, because she has passed away. Oh, we should have held it. We should have held a seance. We could have brought her back. Yeah. Okay, maybe not. All right, moving on. (laughs) Force ghost. Uh, Commune with the force. (laughs) There we go. So uh, this is going well so far. (laughs) (laughs) What we can news, dude? Yeah, let's talk about news. Something. I got some news. Um, Well, first of all, I just want to talk about Death of Superman. I was, I watched it. We watched it. We talked about it. when I rewatched it, I, I realized Peter Tomasi was the writer. And I just wanted to bring that up because oh, he's yeah. a really mm-hmm. cool writer. He's done a lot of rebirth stuff uh, for Superman. Um, and he's like, he did the Batman and Robin series after Graham Morrison left. And he's done Green Lantern Corps with Jeff Johns. And I thought that was really cool. I didn't realize that he was the writer of that movie until oh, yeah. later. And just wanted to say that out loud. Um, yeah, he was on the uh, like special feature, like talking about reign of super reign of the supermen i think um, anyway not all of us watched that <laughs> <laughs> you still didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um so i think the big dc news of the week was brendan fraser has been announced oh, as yeah, yeah. robot man in the doom patrol series and that's awesome. i'm really excited about that like Me i'm too. really happy to see him doing stuff yeah <laughs> that actually kind of renewed my interest in the show like even even though i like jeff johns and he's kind of like really involved in all that this casting choice is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have a, a like there. There's a virial my movie virality. There's a scene where we joke about like 
whether Brendan Fraser died or not. <laughs> like, because we don't know. We haven't seen him in so long. Yeah. And now, what and are you now eating? Like what are you eating right now? Just by the time the movie comes out, he'll. Are you chewing on like, something? Are you talking with your mouth full? You're talking with your mouth full. Hey, shut up. That's uh, people really like you, to hear me chew food. Use your radio voice. <laughs> and so Brendan Fraser is coming back as the robot man. No, that's gonna be mm. cool. He's so it's robot really man was like a NASCAR driver who got in an accident and his brain was transferred to a robot body. That's his. That's who Brendan Fraser is. Wow. Yeah, that's Brendan that's Fraser. really interesting. <laughs> that explains his absence for so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I I am glad because I, like there's been recent Brendan Fraser interviews because he's been on some TV show, some kind of Law and Order ish show. I think uh, I'm probably wrong about what the what the show actually is. I haven't watched it, but uh, there's been recent interviews with him where he just looks really sad and depressed mm-hmm. and like he doesn't want to be there and like he's been he's had a hard last few years for whatever reason. Yeah, and so I'm really I'm like I'm happy to see that he's gonna do something like this that's more public. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I could be wrong. I think I heard he had like sort of a Me Too movement sort of um, yeah. event happen to him in the past. So, yeah, it seems like Robot Man, the whole Doom Patrol is kind of like DC's answer to the X-Men. Um, I could be wrong. They actually mm. might predate the X-Men by, by a little bit. <laughs> it's just funny because they're both groups of misfits with superpowers yeah. who like have to... they. They bind together and they're led by a guy in a wheelchair. In a wheelchair. Except yeah. <laughs> one of them has a lot of hair and the other has none. <laughs> so. so speaking of uh, robots, you know uh, how the smartwatches exist, yeah? I've heard of them. They're like a watch that's like an iPhone on your wrist. Um, that's my news. What's your net? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> apparently there's... Uh, I'm just going to read this article. Now you can develop your powers with DC superhero-themed smartwatches. What's a superhero without super-powered accessories? Mm. Says the first line. Um, I mean, most don't have that, I think. (laughs) Uh, Tech Company 161 has a new line of smartwatches that lets any civilian embrace their inner DC hero. The watches, available for pre-order, come currently come in three variations those variations include the following themes the cw superhero television show the flash batman the animated series and gal gadot's world war one era wonder woman i don't really know what they i think it's just like the you're telling me i can watch batman the animated series on my watch i can watch it on my watch I don't think so. It's a dumb- <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe maybe there will be like a DC streaming app. Could on I, a, on can I watch. do it on like an Apple Watch, like synced to my phone? Can I play it I on think, that? No, I I think it's not an Apple Watch. I think they're like separate watches. So it's, they're, it's they're all not- themed like this thing. What's weird about it is they list the specific the Flash show. BTAS and the Wonder Woman movie, mm-hmm. but the picture they show has the 60s Batmobile on it. So I don't know if that's <laughs> another one or if they're mistaking that. Like, oh, that's Batman the enemy. I don't know. But that's kind of a cool yeah, thing if close. you want like one of those, I guess. I well, don't know. Is, I mean, <laughs> if you can't watch them on your watch, I don't know. Like this one for The Flash is like themed like a Star Labs computer. It's like blue. It's got the little Star Labs logo. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I guess it, it reminds me of like, um, 
when you would like theme your Windows desktop in like 2004. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like everything's like now your icon for Internet Explorer is like the Star Lab Star. Like whoa. Wow. <laughs> nice. There's, uh, all the sounds are now Star Lab sounds. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you you open up uh, Windows Media Player and it goes run Barry run. Like, oh, I'm so sick of that. <laughs> <laughs> Force quit. <laughs> Sorry, that's yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's the Star Speed Wars Force thing. quit. There you go. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> also, there's Deadpool and Rick and Morty themes. So that's kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. I did just finish Rick and Morty season three yesterday. Mm. <laughs> For the first time. It's taken me a long time, but yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's not season. as cliffhangery as season two was, but I did enjoy mm-hmm. watching it still. Yeah. No, the whole season is amazing. I, mm-hmm. What's your favorite episode? Um, favorite episode of the uh, season, Kim? Of season three? Yeah. Uh, well, Let's go there. Well, I mean, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a stereotype of the fan base. I mean, I do like the pickle Rick episode. It's, uh, it's pretty. Classic. It's pretty good. It's got some good jokes. It's got good action. <laughs> um, I like yeah, Morty's. Like just, um, uh, what is it? Morty's mind. Benders? Mind blowers. Mind blowers. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's the that, interdimensional that was, that was cable okay. substitute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was okay. I, I would have preferred they do another uh, interdimensional cable yeah. or whatever. I also but... love the Citadel of Ricks, like where all the Mortys rise up. And oh, t- yeah. Take yeah, it over. no, okay. That was my favorite. Yeah, I was that might be for my that favorite. Patch Morty to come back yeah, for so long. Yeah. And then they play it. I knew they it was music coming. At I'm the just end, spoilers, yeah. and people don't care about this at all. But <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was waiting for that to happen because I'd been in my mind since he walked away. Right. The other, and like the same music, the same song uh-huh. starts playing that he walked away to, and I was like, "Yes!" And like my wife and sister were just looking at me like, "What are you talking? <laughs> what are you? What? Yeah, what? Yeah. yeah, that episode's no, amazing." Good. <laughs> so anyway, uh-huh. do you have another uh, related? Sure. Thing? I'm so sweaty up in this room. I'm in a different room than normal, and I can't turn the fan on because we're recording. It's you so look hot. like Harry Potter and like the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> yeah, I kind of am. I'm. You can see this slanted ceiling next to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm in an attic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do have a piece of news. I saw a promo image for the CW's upcoming crossover. So mm-hmm. it was a promo image for Supergirl, Arrow, and The Flash. Um, but you can see the silhouette of Batwoman in the background. But she's yeah. like in the sky, and it's a very much yeah, it's like just a bat. A bat. It's like a bat yeah. symbol, but like the tips of them are red. So it's like maybe yeah. that's her costume. I don't know. It's just a blurry Batwoman. Image. There's also like the Flash has a new either costume yeah. or at least mask because like his chin is not covered anymore right which makes which is more like comic accurate more or like at least old style mm-hmm. old school style version but like i don't know it looks weird <laughs> to me i have to get used to it like it just looks his neck looks suddenly like so much skinnier than it was before. did you see all the drama on uh grant gustin's instagram yeah yeah about i mean how... i don't mean to i don't mean to <laughs> it, it, uh, <laughs> yeah the drama that, but... yeah what a, what a stupid guy yeah. no it's so, like the uh photo of the suit from the upcoming season got leaked online and people yeah, just like a people just like man. you were trashing it they're like oh it looks dumb i like it people like me hang on a second well <laughs> there's okay. no one like james strick <laughs> <laughs> i mean you don't like the chin strap or you do prefer the chin strap i don't know i think well so <laughs> it's one of i think it's one of those things with comic book costumes where like you don't think you want that until you see 
it without it. Like I didn't think like I didn't like Well here's here's uh, a question for you. Have you ever <laughs> worn a chin strap? Um I I've had one with facial hair. <laughs> like and made made out of your hair. <laughs> yeah. No, I like glued <laughs> hair to my face. I've also worn a marching band hat with the chain that comes down over your chin. That's sort of okay. a chin strap. So, so you, can, you, so you are an expert. You can, you can talk to these. Yes, this thank subject. you. Okay, just I've confirming. been teaching marching band for like six days straight, and that's all I could think of. <laughs> if you watched our little break movie, anyone or video, anyone that's listening to this, you know I've been teaching marching band, and mm-hmm. it is a chore. There's yeah. a lot of little babies running around not knowing what to do. And are these high school freshmen? I mean, they're high school. Oh, just everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's it's actually going pretty good this year compared to last year, especially at this time. We have a lot of stuff that's good, but also again, no one cares about this. Um, yeah, although so maybe you do because there's actually a surprisingly high in a, amount of people commenting. I on wonder that. what like, the Venn oh, diagram I play too is. There's got to be a Venn yeah. diagram. The of... lap, the overlap. Yeah, yeah. It's it's probably pretty <laughs> pretty thick. Who knows? It's probably yeah. It's probably pretty close. <laughs> Because, I mean, well, we that's were in marching bands. Matthew Valencia was in marching bands. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't have anything else, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The, the only other thing I had on my list was um, Swamp Thing is filming in North Carolina. And I'm, I'm just personally excited oh, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that's I live cool. there. I don't live in the city. I live about maybe five hours away from the where they're going to film. Because <laughs> um, it's a pretty big state. But, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's like, yeah, that you could say almost any state. You could be like, they're filming in my state, but right. not anywhere near that. Basically, yeah. they're they're filming on like the East Coast, like by yeah. the Atlantic Ocean. And I'm basically like, I'm, I'm like half an hour from Tennessee. Like I'm, I'm on <laughs> yeah. that side of North Carolina, the complete opposite. So yeah, here it'd be like, if, yeah, if they're filming in like Canada, it could be like, well, I could go <laughs> check it yeah. out, but I'm not really right next to it. Uh-huh. But we'll see him. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, Filming well, let's flip over to the the interview, I guess. Um, I, you know what's coming. You heard us introduce it before. And uh, I have no idea how we're supposed to, you know, transition into such a segment. But oh, yeah. hopefully Do you need, someone can help me out. Need a this. hand? So, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another uh, Watchtower Database exclusive interview. Today we're honored to have with us the uh, collective hive mind known as the Dynamic Music Partners. It's uh, Lolita Ritmanis, uh, Michael McQuistion, and Christopher Carter. And we're very excited to have you all here today. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm it's sure that's to gonna, you're going to talk over each other several times, so, but that's okay. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> Um, Adam, Adam, and I—I'm uh, here with Adam Mullen, our composer for our channel. Uh, so we're we're uh, we're both musicians, and it's really quite a dream come true to be able to talk to you guys. Uh, Adam composes all the original music for our YouTube channel, and uh, we've both been involved with musical groups and activities pretty much our entire lives. So uh, we hope our questions are at least slightly more unique than what you might normally get asked. But we also uh, hope we don't run too long because we've got a lot of them. So. Uh, cool. Let's get going. <laughs> all right. So uh, first, let's let's do some uh, generic ones uh, to get them out of the way. We're, though we are genuinely interested in these two. Uh, what what led each of you to become a composer, and did you have a fascination with music growing up, or any composers that inspired you? Um, well, I can go first. I sure, yeah. I actually uh, grew up thinking I would be more of a singer songwriter, um, and uh-huh. I didn't really choose film scoring until I was already down in Los Angeles and. 
I just really caught a bug um, when I was attending uh, the Dick Grove School of Music and just found it fascinating that how, how music could really manipulate uh, people yeah. <laughs> when they're watching music for a particular dramatic scene and, and whatnot. And I loved how it made me feel. I loved how film music made me feel. And um, I think it's uh, without, without a question, my biggest influences are, are John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith and, and Neil Morricone. Uh, the greats. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then I, I also have a real fondness for um, composer Dave Grusin. Um, just that was it just he pulled at my heartstrings when I was, uh, you know, in my early 20s. And I mm-hmm. just I love I love that style of music. Uh, I grew up in Texas and uh, decided I needed to escape from all the Western and country music, which I like for what it is. <laughs> and, um, I was. Uh, I went to the University of North Texas where I got a degree in classical composition and uh, I had a chance to, while there, to hear early music and world music and jazz and uh, when I realized just how much music there is out there, I thought, you know, film scoring is a really wonderful place where one can explore all these different things and get to tell a story with it. And like Lolita, it's it's like the the feeling that, that, that you get from a film when the music is just hitting that right emotional note is something that I was very, that I enjoy experiencing. And I also like shaping in, in the, my own music that I write. Um, I was definitely of course influenced by, by John Williams, uh, James Horner, uh, Jerry Goldsmith is my spirit animal, <laughs> <laughs> but I also, uh, while I was in, in college also, uh, played in rock bands, and uh, I was really into uh, you know Nine Inch Nails and Rob Zombie and and pretty heavy stuff, which I found adds a nice energy to uh, to film scoring also. So I like bringing in that that raw energy into yeah. the music I write too. Uh, and yeah, and that's that's kind of what where I came from pre Dynamic Music Partners, and and which I know we'll get to soon. Um, hi everybody. This is Michael. Just to make to make everything very clear, since Chris and I are the guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm from the Midwest. I'm from a small town in Missouri, a beautiful beautiful little small town. Um, and I grew up uh, studying classical piano since I was like five years old. And so I kind of grew up with a love of classical music. I didn't really listen to a lot of popular music until maybe after high school or so. Um, what I found myself doing a lot, though, was because it was a small town, there weren't that many people who played piano. I found myself doing a lot of accompanying for theatrical productions. And I was in the pit many times, um, you know, playing for musicals and things like that. And nice. I really liked the way that uh, what I was playing, the music that I was playing, would go with the singers and would go with the drama on, on the stage. Um, and I also happened to grow up during that golden era of Spielberg movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, Star Wars, which I oh, guess yeah. Lucas, of course, and, you know, all those wonderful John Williams scores. And I, I noticed that music because I, I loved the way that the music could live apart from the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was wonderful with the film, but when you take it away from the film, it still worked in a concert setting. And I, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever to have that dual purpose. And I really identified with that, not to mention the great composition. So I decided I wanted to be a film composer when I was still in Missouri. 
Um, I went to the same university that Chris went to, although uh, he was uh, he's he's much younger than me, so he went there after I did. But I went to the University of North Texas and decided to get a degree in classical composition um, because I felt that that would give me the best tools to be able to pursue a career as a as a film composer. Then I went to USC after that and got a master's equivalent in film scoring. And that's kind of how I got started. And my first gig was Batman the Animated Series, which kind of mm-hmm. came out of nowhere. And I couldn't be more, <laughs> feel more fortunate or more lucky to have met Shirley. So that's how it got going. Yeah, that's awesome to hear that you all kind of have your own uh, individual, unique uh, starts to things, despite, you know, eventually coming together <laughs> to uh, all, you know, form the same for the same purpose. Um, I'll uh, throw this over to Adam for the next question then. All right, this is Adam. Hi. Uh, hey. So we want to know, how did you all get involved with the DC Animated Universe shows? Well, it really came through Shirley Walker. Um, Shirley Walker, um, I'm sure that you both know her. She oh, yes. Is, she, <laughs> you know, is no longer with us, but her music and her, her legacy will are, have a profound impact on, on us and, mm-hmm, and so many yeah. other composers. Um I personally was working um, as a music proofreader and also doing some ghostwriting and a lot of orchestrating um, over at Warner Brothers. And um, we, uh, Shirley Walker was, was starting something where she was kind of putting out a call to, to other industry professionals, um, seeking out emerging composers and some established composers to form, to pr- help her or help her or to offer the composers an opportunity to be a part of a team uh, for this little show called Batman, the animated series. So I think to I've actually that, you yeah. recommended to <laughs> Shirley Walker and then get a call from her to find out if, you know, if I'd be interested in, in working, working for her was, was kind of slightly unreal. Yeah. Um, so um, Michael and I were the first, uh, first two to part be participants in this, in her grand experiment, which uh, was blessed by uh, Doug Frank, who was head of music at Warner Brothers at the time. And uh, we started out by um, just uh, by going out to her place, orchestrating for her, um, learning the, the tone of the show, and then just writing, writing individual cues on certain episodes, sharing, mm-hmm. sharing episodes, and then eventually getting our own episodes. So I, that is definitely how, how uh, Michael and I both got started on the, on working for DC properties and, and Chris, uh, uh, on to you as to your entree <laughs> into that world as well. Do, do we want to switch the order just because this is kind of chrono- chronologically? Sure. Like, cause you guys had a shared experience. I think Mike should maybe go ahead and. Well, you said it so well, Lolita. I mean, uh, <laughs> the only difference would be how I got the call from Shirley. Um, I was working at the time, uh, right after I graduated from USC, I was working a keyboard player as his personal assistant. His, uh, his name is Mike Lang. I, I know that everyone in the world has heard something that he's played because he's played on so many films mm. and so many, you know, classic uh, movies. Uh, he's a piano player and a keyboard player. So I was working for him for like two or three years. And during the course of my working with him, uh, he had a person coming over to uh, deal with his synthesizers and hit all of his wiring because he had a huge mobile synthesizer rack that he would take to sessions for Jerry Goldsmith and, and other people that Henry Mancini, people that he would record with. And so the person that was working on his his rack wiring was Don Walker. And I just thought Don was a sweet person and you know just so nice and so technically oriented. And we just struck up a friendship over the course of about a year and a half. And one day he, he just said, 
hey, what do you do when you're not working for Mike? <laughs> and I said, oh, well, I, I'm a film composer and I, I've been doing some student films and things. He's like, he's like, oh, really? He said, my wife is a composer. I said, oh, is she? He said, yeah, her, her name is Shirley. I said, oh, Shirley Walker. I said, and I hadn't heard of Shirley Walker. I didn't right. know who Shirley Walker was at the time. Um, and he said, yeah. He said, you know, she's got this project uh, she's putting together. Do you have any music I could give to her? And I said, yeah, I just made a recording of some things that I've done for myself. And I can give you, uh, at the time it was a cassette tape, <laughs> I give you yeah. my cassette tape. Um, and, you know, if you want to pass it along, that'd be awesome. So he did that. I didn't hear anything uh, for like a month and a half, two months. And then out of the blue, I remember it as plain as day. I was in my one bedroom apartment in North Hollywood <laughs> and I get this call and she, this woman said, hi, my name is Shirley Walker. I'm looking for Michael McQuistion. I said, well, I'm Michael. And she said, well, I heard your music and I, I would love for you to be a, a part of Batman, the animated series with me. Uh, and I was just like, uh, okay. <laughs> and she said, no, 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 you can't answer me right now. You have to wait three days. And make sure you really want to do this because you're going to have to write in my style and you can't do your own thing and you have uh -huh. to really fit into this and you're not going to be able to do whatever you want to do. So just, just know that coming in. So call me in three days and give me your answer. So, you know, duh. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully I get that phone call someday. Yeah. Well, I waited three days to like the hour and called her back and said, absolutely, I'll do it. Now, now, now let's put this in context, though, because keep in mind, nobody knew that this series was going to be what it became. Nobody knew this was going to right. become the de facto Batman series. We all just thought, okay, well, we're doing this series. The subject is Batman. It's dark. It's cool. Great. But yeah. it, it wasn't like we all were just like, oh, my God, I want to work on this famous series because it, it right. really hadn't happened at that point. Well, and also Shirley was insightful to the, to the fact that she was also pursuing her feature uh, career and other projects and with this this many episodes and what the requirements were of the show yeah. she was really wise to start putting together a support team and the way that she worked um uh, is very different than unfortunately a lot of uh other situations that are happening in the world right now um is that she gave full full credit to the composers that wrote on her yeah. show so if I wrote a cue, it wasn't, oh, I'm giving her, you know, she's giving me like 25% or something. I, I got a hundred percent writer's share of that, of that cue. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's really breathtaking and, you know, not, not to diss the other composers that aren't giving credit because sometimes, you know, sometimes it really is about, you know, they have, you know, the composers develop the themes and so they share credit. I, I get it. I trust yeah. me. I totally get it. I understand <clears throat> the business aspect of all of it, but she was such, such a, such an amazing uh honorable like just you know person to work for yeah. um tough as nails but but <laughs> ama uh, but really amazing so yeah and so michael and lolita ended up kind of forging this whole process they were the first two people that she invited into this into this grand experiment and um maybe as many as 30 people worked under her over I the course like of the 35 <laughs> 35 people over the course of yeah. the series and during all this time, I was actually still in college, and my friends and I were just in in rapture over this new animated Batman series. <laughs> and uh, it was required watching in the dorm. Anytime it was on, uh, <laughs> it was, the TV was there, was, was, was on that channel, and we were all sitting just eating it up. <laughs> and I am thinking, wow, 
wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing if someday I could have the opportunity to work on, on something like that? Mm-hmm. As I'm trying to develop my student film composing, I discovered that my stand partner in the orchestra, I, I'm primarily a pianist, but I also play the, the double bass in the orchestra. My stand partner happens to be Shirley Walker's son in the most weird, <laughs> bizarre <laughs> coincidence. And um, through his name is Ian, and he is a fabulous uh, bass player and music producer, and he's just doing some wonderful things in music out here in L.A. And uh, through his generosity he opened the door to play a tape of my student work for Shirley and in the week after I graduated with my degree from North Texas and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life I got a phone call from Shirley (laughs) and she said Shirley she said Chris how soon can you move out to LA and I'm like I think I'm figuring out what I'm going to do now and you you said surely you can't be serious, right? Yeah. I <laughs> and don't <Sorry>. call me Shirley. <laughs> exactly, he got it. He got it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, you know. Actually, she. <laughs> I think she knows that she put Michael through enough stress, so she didn't require the three day cooling off period. <laughs> um, but I did, uh, you know. I had a, of course, being from Texas, I had a pickup truck. I packed everything that I could fit into my pickup truck, and I made my journey out to. Uh, to Los Angeles to actually not begin writing on this series, but to be her assistant. And, and, and she allowed me the opportunity to, um, to watch this, this process of what it was like to, for the young composers to work with Shirley, um, observe how, as she told Michael, it really was about supporting her vision and, uh, you know, whatever great creative things I'd want to do, it all had to be within the framework that she had established. And, um, uh, but I came in right as the show was kind of wrapping up in a way. So I, I orchestrated an episode called Baby Doll for her. And then I had an opportunity with another young composer named Brian Langsbard uh, to split a show. And um, in that process, then I, I uh, got to know uh, Michael and Lolita. And um, we were all there together supporting Shirley. Yeah. So was there a point when you all kind of decided like, hey, we work pretty well together. Let's form our own company. <laughs> That came much, much later. We we went through um, several different, we did some of the long forms. Um, Michael, well, we did, we went on to do Superman with her. Um, And then Batman Beyond also was um, a show that, you know, we did Uh under her music. You know, she was the the principal composer. But um, it really, our collaboration, as far as making it official, came much later. It was actually closer to when we were, we were, we had already been pushed out of the nest kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Where um, we were doing our own thing. um, And, uh, but we were kind of competing for the same jobs. And we had already worked together so long under Shirley that we decided it would be better to officially join forces and not have one person be just swamped and crazy busy on a project and the other two kind of waiting for the next thing to audition right. for, um, but basically pool our efforts. And we are very much three very individual composers that, that, that work together. And it's primarily for quality of life purpose and also for, which includes everything from just being able to occasionally sleep. Although right now you wouldn't know it, but in general, right. that's our, that's our goal to be able to have some sort of a healthy lifestyle. And then, then also for the, for the inspiration and the moral support of having uh, for myself to have two other colleagues whose music I just absolutely adore, who yeah. inspire me, who keep me on my toes 
um, and, and, you know, kick me in the rear occasionally when I'm kind of slacking off and not, not, not doing something brilliant as they are all the time. So um, it's, it's a, it's been a really great thing. And it's, it's gone through growing pains that we, 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 res we respect what we have as dynamic music partners. We respect it so highly that we really are very cautious to make sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted as far as fairness and, and respect for one another and having a great business model and also just being on top of things for our, for our clients that, you know, we're yeah. very fortunate to work on, on amazing properties. So when you do a project as a group, is it often, you know, okay, I'll take this part, I'll, you take this section of the movie or episode or whatever, or is it like everyone kind of mingles and works together to create the one, you know, soundtrack? Well, I think... Oh, oh no. You want to go take it, Chris? <laughs> oh, no, I was, I, was, I was sorry. I was following our order we established again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, which order? Go by the book, yeah. Oh, you're right. I ended up switching up. Um, <laughs> wow. Go, go for it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. Um, pretty much... We, when you even though there's three composers working on the on the project, the music needs to sound cohesive. It has to right. sound like it's one one creative voice that we're all contributing to. So we we have extensive discussions with the producers and the directors to make sure that we all understand what direction we're going to take the music. Um, if there's a theme song, we all do collaborate on that. We'll all bring motifs or ideas, and then mm -hmm. we'll sit down and uh, hammer out something that's a wonderful synthesis of all the different creative ideas so that that has bits of all of us but when it comes to the nitty-gritty writing this long list of, of cues of music that have to be created for this particular project we actually do split that up uh, because it's more efficient mm -hmm. that we can each write what we're you know folks that we're working on and it's also so that we can uh, you know in a way put three times the creative effort into a score because I'm going to mm -hmm. really make this cue great and then I can focus my energy on on the part that I have to do and then we're all we're all individually you know, making each cue shine, but then we, we, we put the, the demos, we make, we make audio demos of the music, and we'll put that on Dropbox so we can all hear what we're doing <laughs> and reflect off of it. And if there's a, you know, a, a character theme that's been established, we might call back to that so that there's, you know, again, there's something that the audience will latch on to, a melody or a, a motif. And um, when it's our turn, if we, if we need to, to address that, we can we can call back to it too. So that the, um, you know, so that, that, that the score has that, again, that, yeah. that cohesiveness and that. Yeah. There's definitely, um, you know, I'll be watching a justice league episode and I'll, without even looking at the credits, I'll usually be able to tell which one of you wrote the music for it, but it's not like distinctly different enough from the rest of, you know, every other episode that I, it's, it all has this, a pretty cohesive sound like you're talking about. And it's funny that you guys are, that you guys use, you know, Dropbox and that you have such a, a nice, uh, like workflow to it all because i know when adam and i uh, are composing something together it's often a lot of uh, headbutting so maybe we just need to work uh, 20 more years together and it'll all work itself out. 
So we're uh, we're gonna try to stick to questions that are primarily about the the Bruce Tim connected shows. Um, but we're you've all worked on these shows for so long, and other superhero cartoons like Teen Titans, Young Justice, uh, The Brave and the Bold, and so on and so forth. Um, is there a particular show each of you preferred working on as a whole? Like, did any of them stick out? As, oh man, this this show is my favorite one to write for. <laughs> Oh, I don't. I don't know that we have a, a favorite show. That's like trying to ask somebody to pick their favorite child. <laughs> true. Um, true. It's really. Well, do it. But, <laughs> but I can say a few words about one of these series that that was kind of unique, and that was Teen Titans. Um, you know, when we did Teen Titans, we weren't yet formally dynamic music partners, but we were right. still working together, the three of us. But we tackled that show in a very different way because each of us did, uh, you know, a, a full episode rather than splitting an episode between uh -huh. the three of us. Um, we each took on one episode as our episode uh, and then we rotated through the show. But the producer was very specific about wanting, you know, the show to have a broad spectrum of music available. And he just thought that the voice of the show could be just about anything it needed to be at the time. So that gave us a huge amount of latitude to really write something special for that particular episode and not feel like there was any sort of generic expression for Teen Titans. In fact, it was the opposite. It was like, well, we want it to be, you know, every episode can be special. Every yeah. moment can be special. It can be whatever it needs to be. Um, so just go for it. And so that's what we did. And I think it resulted in some of the most <laughs> interesting and fun different scores within a series yeah. um, that we've, that we've had the opportunity to do just because, you know, it, and it wasn't necessarily, there were some linear story elements in that series too, but there were also these non sequitur episodes like employee of the month, you know, right. <laughs> I mean, like, where did that come from? So, and that's great. And, and I, you know, I can't tell you how refreshing it is to, as, as a creative person, I'm sure, you know, both of you, how refreshing it is to be thrown something, a curveball of some kind, something completely different, something out of the box. You know, here's this thing that you just didn't expect. And it, it you know, it, it kind of forces me as a creative person to right. go to a different place. <laughs> and yeah. that, what's great about that is that, okay, I'm going to go there and I'm going to do something really weird or really special for this thing. Then I can go back to the, to the anchor place for the series and I'm already refreshed. So, right. you know, it, it really helps keep everything fresh and new all the time. When you've got 26 episodes of a series to work on or 52, you know, um, you know, you need you need that opportunity to refresh yourself creatively. And it just makes the show that much better. Yeah, I'm constantly forcing Adam to do stuff he doesn't like to do. So. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> so is there any specific episode that really sticks out in your brain as some of your best work? Oh, our best work. Um, you know, just choose all, one episode Bruce out of Tim, hundreds. Bruce <laughs> Tim Project specifically? Uh, yeah. Sure. Um, well, from, I mean, I honestly, for me, you know, going back in time, I'd say the Star-Crossed episode mm -hmm. for Justice League was such a personal triumph because I actually made Bruce uh, teary-eyed. So awesome. that's like, a, a, you know... <laughs> Hooray, you know, uh, I, 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 Bruce Tim is without question, you know, I just, just a leg, a legacy, an epic person, uh, who is still very vibrant and, and very youthful actually in his, in his, in his ways that he, uh, you know, listens to music and whatnot, but it's, 
he is a very tough person to work with. And, mm. and I say that with all the respect in the yeah. world. So it's kind of like, you know, when you have, you want to like, please your, your dad or your mom or something, <laughs> right. want to make it perfect. And, and it's a personal journey that, you know, I, you know, I'll just speak for myself. It's been probably one of the biggest uh, journeys that I've had to deal with is how do I deal with my own sense of being able to, to present something to, to this, creative uh person and and not be completely destroyed if he if he doesn't like it and then uh-huh. not be actually overly joyful if he <laughs> just loves it because it's like too much invested of myself yeah. but he uh that episode was was really powerful and then that I think for me also was kind of an extra I mean I, I tell the story that uh there was a a young couple that came up to us at at, at a after a at WonderCon or Comic-Con and they oh, actually Comic-Con said, actually, yeah. yeah, they had actually, uh, they came up to me and they said they, they, they transcribed the music or something or they got married to the, to oh. the, the music of the end, you know, the end scene. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my gosh, how, how great is that? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then most recently, I mean, I loved working on Killing Joke. I mean, I know it was kind of, you know, there's some controversy about the opening, sure. you know, and all that, but I just, we had just, I had a ball working with on that project because just listening to, you know, listening to Mark Hamill's voice and how creepy yeah. it was and just using, having a wonderful string orchestra that we hired, so... Those yeah, are my those are my Bruce Tim kind of favorites right now, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, you got the gang back together for that movie for sure. Um, oh, yeah. The band, the band, so to speak. Um, <laughs> the uh, I know uh, that the end of Starcross there is is it all. I can't even if I'm editing a video for our channel where I'm just using the footage and not the audio. I'm just watching it. I still I'm I'm hearing the music and their lines in my head, and I can't not cry watching this scene. So, and that's, and that's half, half because of you guys. So, so congratulations. <laughs> is there is there uh, the the other two you want to jump in for a favorite episode you don't have to if if it's too hard to think of one but no 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 i i actually there there were two for me personally there were two things i'm so glad that Louis mentioned two because it opens the door for me to do so also because i couldn't decide between one or the other um my first my first really big moment that i felt like i I put everything 110 percent creatively that i could into was the um um, the superman two-parter with dark side yeah uh, and yeah, legacy. Apocalypse yeah. Now. Yeah, well, Apocalypse Now was the one that I, I worked on, and okay. it was really special to me because um, it was a hugely important uh, episode arc for Bruce, and Shirley trusted me enough to kind of take the ball and run with it. So mm-hmm. I, I also um, stressed for like three <laughs> and a half weeks of every note has to be perfect, and I think creatively I was really proud with the way that, that turned out. But also in Justice League, um, there was a two-parter called Hereafter, Mm-hmm. where Superman gets stranded in the future with Vandal Savage and becomes uh, Conan, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And I just, there was something about the opportunity of that, that dramatic arc that uh, just really inspired me personally. And I was really happy with how the, the, the episode turned out. So those are my two. Awesome. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, Apocalypse Now has a lot of great stuff. The funeral scene, the the death scene, oh, all yeah. that stuff is all very powerful, and and that's that's awesome to know that that's in your uh, your heart as well. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Yeah, I, I mean, thank goodness we can say two. Um, 
yeah, my, I guess my couple of episodes for, are, I'm just going to speak very personally because sure. they might not be the most popular episodes or, or, or anything like that, but they mean something to me. Um, certainly for me, my first episode that Shirley had given me to do as a solo composer, which was, I guess, my first professional opportunity, uh-huh. you know, as of having my own project to work on was Be a Clown from Batman oh, the Animated wow. Series. Okay. <laughs> and that was very special to me um, just for that one, for that one fact. Um, and I felt so emboldened and I felt so responsible and so it's everything Lolita was talking about, you know, about Bruce only it was with Shirley because I just, I I wanted to do such a good job for her because of this incredible opportunity she'd given to me. Uh, So I did crazy amounts of research. And I mean, like I had three uh, little source pieces for the carnival scene in that, Mm -hmm. in that episode. And so I ordered all these scores of band music from like different suppliers and studied like all these different, carnival pieces just so that I could write these little ditties for the, I mean, you know, (laughs) all for like, you know, two minutes or something. And, but I did, but you know, I just, I poured myself into it as if it were like the only job I would ever have. Mm -hmm. So, and I really felt like it, it, it came to fruition for me because I felt like I had done something that really, you know, staked this claim within the series, and I showed her that I was capable, and that was the main thing. So I felt really good about that one. Um, the other one is um, is one of the first episodes of Justice League that I did, and, and you know, at that time we were doing uh, the Justice League. At that time, were, were two parters, mm-hmm. so it was one hour, not just a half an hour. Um, so the show that I'm referring to is called The Enemy Below with Aquaman. Yep. And that show is important to me because of what had happened uh, with Warner Brothers and Warner Animation and how we had transitioned from having live orchestras for all of our scores for Superman and Batman. And, you know, even Batman Beyond, we had, you know, live musicians. We transitioned into a place where we were not going to have any live musicians. And it was just at the advent of sampling technology. And I was very nervous coming from the background that I'd come from, you know, with live classical musicians. Uh, about whether I'd be able to express myself well or not mm-hmm. with the new technology. So I kind of did the same thing with that episode as I did with Be a Clown, only I did it from a technological standpoint. I just poured myself into learning the software and trying to figure out, you know, how can I make these boxes emote? Mm-hmm. You know, how can I do this? And I learned a lot, and it was a, a grueling three week process of writing that first episode. I'm just talking about the half hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I, I I felt like when it was all said and done that I had that I was able to to say something expressive and meaningful, you know, despite having it be computers and everything. Now that's not to say that there's anything easy about doing that. In fact, it's way 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 harder to do that with you know an inanimate object than it is right. to just have beautiful musicians who are masters at their craft play. <laughs> yeah. It's so much easier, but. But I felt good about the fact that I was able to, to, to convey some kind of emotion for that episode. 
So those are my two. Awesome. Yeah, we actually had a question down the line that I'll just ask now because you brought it up. It was, it, for you know changing over from live orchestra, was that a, a budgetary thing or was it just trying to you know figure out or they wanted to use the new technology instead or you know what was the story behind that? It was a budget thing and it was basic. I think it was also the fact that you know some of the powers that be were hearing sample music and and and. I guess somebody just decided, oh, it sounds good enough or whatever. <laughs> Let's just, yeah. And literally, I mean, literally cutting, what was it, two, two-thirds out of the budget? I mean, yeah. it, it, it was enough of a oh, cut geez. that it was, it was pretty much cost prohibitive to step on the stage. And we would, um, as far as, you know, I mean, I guess if you want to donate all, and you absolutely make absolutely no money, then we could have probably hired musicians. Yeah. But, I mean, that, this is our, our living. So, But um, it, it required... Um, I mean, I, I had, I was, I still have a writer's bump on my third finger from holding a pencil. So, I mean, I really thought I would, you know, live my entire life with, 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 with writing pencil to paper. Uh And, and it forced me to, you know, my husband and I, Mark is my, uh, Mark Matson is my husband and he does my engineering and music editing. Um, We both invested just you know, a ton of money and all this gear. I mean, just, and that was, but that was before Batman Beyond, but then yeah. we needed to, needed it for, for Justice League and Justice League, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I know uh, whenever, you know, I watch, you know, Mask of the Phantasm or something with, you know, just a, a booming, awesome orchestral sound. And then I know when, when Justice League started, I, I immediately, or initially anyway, felt you know very like kind of let down by the this the at least quality of the, the instrumentation. You know, thinking like, oh man, what are they doing? But then you know, even just three episodes or I guess six if they're two parters or whatever. Uh, maybe it's seven. I don't know. <laughs> episodes in with that the enemy below Aquaman episode. There's a great uh, you know final battle sequence in the North Pole with a you know big bombastic uh orchestral sound and and i remember thinking like oh okay this is going to be fine (laughs) so (laughs) you just you just you know kind of vilified everything i just thought about saying that the fact that you thought that at that time because that's all that was going through my mind was oh my gosh how can we how can we make this believable and how can we not have this be less than you know yeah yeah no yeah we had a live uh, we had a live uh, group for the for the theme Right. But yeah, after that it was, uh, yeah, growing growing pains and <laughs> and and luckily we have also uh, uh, Christopher is our uh, our equipment sound samples yeah. uh, library. He has everything, so it's like yeah. Chris, what should we get? You know, what's <laughs> right. the next thing? You know, because <laughs> totally. he he listens to absolutely everything, and you know, it's, all the technology has come such a long way that at least it's getting a little bit more uh, cost effective. But the you know, some of those early libraries, my gosh, it's like, you know, yeah. you can buy almost a house or whatever for that in mm-hmm. Iowa or somewhere. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, actually, I'll mention, uh, since we're speaking of live instruments, uh, for for years. Uh, so I, there's a special feature on one of the Batman Beyond uh, DVDs where I'm not sure I can't remember the guy's name. I'm sure you guys will know Uh there there's like a little feature about the guitar uh theme for the return of the joker movie uh, where you have like a live guitarist there uh, in the studio playing it he has really long blonde uh-huh. hair um yes that's kenny wayne shepherd is his okay name. 
And uh, but for some reason, I had it in my head for years that that was Christopher Carter. <laughs> and so and it, and it, so and it, when we like, it wasn't until maybe a year ago that I was like looking up pictures of you guys' faces for a different video, and I oh my god, that's not Christopher Carter at all. So, <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. I mean, maybe maybe that's a compliment. Maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> well, I used to have long hair too. Again, I came from my my rock and roll days, but uh, no more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Michael, uh, you are solely credited. I don't know if you worked with worked together or not, but you're solely credited uh, for the soundtrack for uh, the Sub Zero movie. Um, and I, I really enjoy the music from, from that movie. I watched it all the time as a kid. Uh, so your character themes uh, are nearly as iconic to me as the original Batman the Animated Series theme. Um, was there a reason you chose... Yeah, I was going to ask if there was a reason you chose to not use Shirley Walker's Batman theme in the movie because we get a hint of the Danny Elfman Batman theme in the opening credits, but then every other... It's sort of an original tunes uh, with the same sort of like rhythmic DNA as Shirley's theme. Yeah. Well, first of that's a there's a that's a there's a lot going on in that question. Sure, sorry. Let me go back a little bit here and first say that absolutely both Lolita and Christopher were working with me oh, on okay. that project. Um, uh, in, in different capacities, <laughs> other than composing, um, they were orchestrating for me, and Lolita sat in the booth for me. And I mean, I could not have done that project without them. It was a huge gotcha. undertaking. Okay. Um, uh, the decisions about the themes were made by the producers before I was asked onto the project. So when I, when we had our first spotting session, I was told we're going to use the Danny Elfman theme for the opening because we wanted to replicate the original first Batman movies opening, only have it be animated, you know, where they go around the yeah. bat logo. Mm -hmm. um, so they said, that's what we're going to do. So I had to procure that theme from, um, from Danny's people and we orchestrated that for my orchestra and, and did it that way. Um, and then as far as the Batman theme goes, I begged them to use Shirley's Batman theme. <laughs> so just so you know, because I mean, let's not forget that I had lived with that for like four yeah. years. And I, just, I thought of it as being the Batman theme. Right. And they were just like, no, no, no. We want this to be our own thing. It's not really in the continuity with Bruce's shows and this is our own show and we need our own Batman theme. And I just turned white as a ghost. <laughs> Because, well, no, real, seriously, what if somebody came to you and said, we need a yeah. new Batman theme? Uh -huh. I mean, how does that make you feel? It's right. like after <laughs> all these other Batman themes that, you know, everybody loves these themes. And it's yeah. like, and then you've got to write a new one. It's supposed to stand up to, to Shirley's theme and to Danny's theme. And it's like, oh, my God. What? I was like, you've you got to be kidding me. And they were just like, no, 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 you have to do it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I didn't really have a lot of saying that but but i mean you know okay fine i i talked about you know being uncomfortable and being challenged and that was certainly a, uh -huh. a way to do that um so i screamed and yelled and wrote 14 different things and rolled around on the floor until i finally got something i was happy with um so that's that's pretty much how that came to be did i address everything that you had? i think so yeah <laughs> now the uh yeah and it, it, that's interesting that you say that they approached you with it as if it was not you know going to be in the same continuity and stuff because it i mean it definitely follows up on like six different storylines from the animated series so that's interesting um well yeah. I, I think they just wanted their because it was randy rogel and boyd kirkland and neither of them yeah. had produced gotcha. um, for okay. the animated series and i think they were just trying to stake their claim yeah this is our no no i'm serious <laughs> I, it's important for creative people to say you know this is where i belong in, yeah. in this 
you know, in this realm and with this character, this is, this is my part of that universe. And so I respected that. And I just thought, okay, well, if you're going to if we're going to do a theme, then I want to do something a little bit different. And they, I, I told them, I said, you know, is it okay if I do an adventure theme for Batman yeah. instead of doing, you know, just this dark brooding thing, can I do something that has more of an adventure flavor and make it more, about story than just about darkness sure. and they said we'll give it a shot and so uh they, they ended up liking what i did so thank goodness yeah it does have a lot more kind of uh indiana jones <laughs> adventure right. feel to it yeah, yeah. right and um, that was so the demographic i mean it was, right, it yeah. was definitely <laughs> for kids and uh, so i thought well maybe this will be a different way that kids can get excited about batman and speaking of the danny elfman theme was there a point where you were you guys were like instructed to stop using that theme because it's in the first few episodes and it's of course in the theme song but then after that you know you start using shirley's theme for the remainder of forever so <laughs> i don't I remember that the, the that progression shirley, of that yeah <laughs> I, shirley was was kind of was guiding that with the producer yeah. and the people that warner brothers i mean there, there was a lot of politics surrounding that and so gotcha they they had to satisfy some requirements and when they felt that that uh, they had satisfied those then they 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 focused on Shirley's theme. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So when the DCAU shows were currently on the air, was there an, a, like a consistent workflow with how long you'd get to compose a soundtrack to each episode? Or were there times where you were given weeks and other times you were given just hours? Well, hours, I would say no. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I don't, <laughs> although sometimes you know, nowadays it yeah. seems like, you know, there's, it feels like hours when, when you need to do a revision and the dub stage wants something. Um, it's, I would say that we have been very fortunate with, um, with Warner Brothers in general that we, we have a, a very nice uh, schedule, I would say. It's, it's very rare that we are dealing with some of these, you know, you hear about these, situations where it's like oh i got to turn everything around in like two days or something so Mm -hmm. it's i would say on average it's it was uh throughout those those years of 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 orchestral stuff for for for, um vitas and for superman and even batman beyond it wouldn't wasn't it around three weeks from uh yeah spot to uh there was an odd episode where it was less but it was mostly three weeks yeah not and not to say that necessarily you know using every single minute of that time but it's it's nice to have that it's nice to have that breathing room in between just to creatively refresh it's not about you know needing every single minute to compose i mean your brain needs a break to be able to come up with something good in between yeah yeah definitely that's that's great that that's uh, that was a consistent thing for you guys at least Mm -hmm. it sounds like um so uh, this is kind of a a comedic question but uh in on uh there's a long-running joke that you can sing any great superman theme you can sing the word superman to uh, Mm -hmm. which includes the superman animated series theme and uh in was do you when you guys compose any of the theme songs do you have lyrics in your head that you're kind of writing to or does it just kind of come later (laughs) I, I will I will say I absolutely come up with little things that yeah. <laughs> most of the time I wouldn't even share with the producers that I'm doing it, but, but just to something to kind of <laughs> jog the the process and give and give an identity to it. Absolutely, uh, I'll, I'll be singing. Here is you know whatever superhero's yeah. name, <laughs> and you can sing along with it. And <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah, because I Same definitely. Here. Yeah. No, I was just saying. I mean, for even for little themes like. I did the Ivy theme, and and it's. I mean, you have to imagine a seventh below, but you can go uh-huh. Ivy, 
you know. <laughs> yeah. Da, 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 <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, uh, you know, I've come up with, you know, all the like the Justice League, that whole thing. So, oh. <laughs> so no, that's Look, awesome. If we don't make up the words, then they will. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I didn't have anything in my head for Justice League Unlimited. And all of a sudden I'm playing this thing for Bruce. And he's all of a sudden, he's like, Justice League Unlimited. Justice League Unlimited. Oh, that's like, really funny. Oh, that's, that works. Great. You yeah. Know? <laughs> that's exactly what I sing to that song. So that's really funny. <laughs> well, and you, uh, you know, you talk about Superman. Of, of course, I, I, always, I always think of, of John Williams, such iconic Superman theme, he actually has a conversation. He's asking a question, ask the question, ask the question. Dun, ba, 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 ba. What's the answer to the question? Yeah, Superman. <laughs> Superman, of course. I mean, it's so brilliant. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. When Shirley was asked to write the animated Superman theme, um, the discussions talked about because they wanted, they wanted Metropolis especially to be a kind of post-futurism in its, in its architecture and yeah. feeling. And they were talking about, um, uh, you know, art, music, and and things that were very, uh, I, I, you know, harmonically challenging. Uh, and Shirley wrote that, and she wrote this amazing, beautiful, wonderful, futuristic, forward-looking, very modern-sounding mm-hmm. theme. And it, it, they just didn't get it. They they didn't understand <laughs> that at all. And um, and so then they kind of came back to her sheepishly and said, Yeah, you know, we really want something that says. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's and definitely on purpose. That's awesome. <laughs> so the only DCAU show not composed by you guys was Static Shock, which used music by Richard Wolf and Lil Romeo. Was there a conscious decision to not have your style alongside Static, or was that show even offered to you? We have sometimes a situation where, um, uh, if it's if it's a new set of a different set of producers than we normally work with, or or even the same ones, but they want to kind of expand their, you know, they want to try something new. If we, new if sound, we get yeah. an, uh, an opportunity and it says, Oh, we want to, we want to, uh, we're doing a, a Batman or whatever property is. And, but we want something completely different, something that we've never heard before. Then it's like, well, if we've done all the other Batman, I don't, it right. doesn't really make sense for us to throw our hat in the ring, even if they end up, sounding similar to what was already done you got to come up with a new batman theme again (laughs) well it's you know it's a very delicate thing because you know sometimes you you, you generally try to say yes to everything to opportunities and and figure out new ways to do things but but sometimes yet you need to know when to say you know what we're going to sit this one out and not even submit uh not even uh, you know audition for this because it's really they really they don't even want the idea of us but but then they love us anyway, and then they hire us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always a good uh, outcome from them. Yeah. Um, recently, you guys got to, the chance to work on a new uh, DCAU Bruce Tim project in Batman and Harley Quinn. Um, and the movie is like you talked about how Killing Joke is sort of divisive among fans. Batman and Harley Quinn is similarly <laughs> divisive for its kind of adult <laughs> themes and stuff. Um, but one of the best aspects that, for me personally at least, is hearing you guys' music back alongside the you know iconic character designs and voice actors. And uh, was it fun to return to that universe, or did it feel like just another superhero project? Whatever, I do this all the time. <laughs> Gosh, I, I thought it was hilarious. I, I had a <laughs> wonderful time with it. Well, uh, for me, that one of the reasons I liked it is because Bruce had a really different idea about what he yeah. wanted to do mm-hmm. with that sh- with that movie. It, he didn't want it to be like other Batman things. It's speci- he 
did it right after Killing Joke, and it was specifically because it was a comedy, and he yeah. needed some relief. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. No, I mean, he said so. He's just like, oh, my God, we got to do something. What can we do after the Killing Joke? We got to do something fun. And so, you know, he was coming at us with all sorts of different musical references from the Pink Panther to the B-52s, mm-hmm. and, you know, really just wanted something that would be um, cool but fun adventurous kind of almost james bond like yeah um but but not not take itself too seriously so i mean so so that's what it was and i i just found it really refreshing were you guys did you guys work together on the the main title theme for that or was that a specific one of you 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 tell that story guys (laughs) chris you take it (laughs) no one wants to talk about no no we're taking taking turns i'm trying to be respectful of our baton passing yeah um it it was uh, (laughs) even if we all you know might come up with motifs or or things uh that we will work together on uh one of us has to be in the hot seat to actually produce the track and michael um you know, guys, I'm sorry, I can't remember. If I think we did contribute some bits of it, but it really ended Michael up being ended up, yeah, Michael old, Michael's final baby, and he just took it and ran with it, and he just nailed the style of it. And Bruce was kind of blown away that that uh, it would be so unique and fun. And uh, you know, they had they had specifically gone out. They don't. Bruce has even said they don't uh, do like uh, unique custom title sequences as much anymore because they are uh-huh. cost prohibitive but they did for this one and um it was it was you know, i thought between the visuals that and uh mike's theme that he pretty much knocked out of the park for them yeah that's definitely like the first moment that you realize like oh this is going to be a different movie than i thought it was <laughs> so, well yeah, and it even in a begins good <laughs> i mean it intentionally begins with with the batman sound yeah. and then mm-hmm. you know turns a corner yeah <laughs> No, that's great. Yeah, he wanted that very specifically. Yeah, the funniest thing for me about it was that, you know, we had submitted a bunch of different ideas and he was kind of lukewarm on them. And then I had this little idea that was sort of a, a an unformed lump of clay. Uh-huh. And Lolita was just like, oh, well, let's just send it. Just send it to him. And so uh, I was like, okay, are you sure? Because it's not really very well done. I, I mean, just in terms of like the sound of it and everything. And he's like, just send it on. Let's see what he says. And he was just like, oh, my God, this is it. And I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we went through several iterations on, on it, um, you know, because we he originally thought he wanted one thing. And when I did that thing, he heard it and he's just like, no, this is not going to work. And so, I, and so we talked about it more and eventually ended up with what you hear now, which is a heck of a lot more energetic. I'd done something that was a lot more laid back and a lot more kind of cool and martini martini glass in your hand kind of a thing Um, and that is not what this is this is much more like you know these boots were made for walking yeah (laughs) you wrote more of a Catwoman kind of theme first (laughs) yeah exactly it was it was more cool more late more laid back more kind of you know very slinky and yeah uh, but I don't I think he needed something with a lot more energy and now that I see the main title together with the visuals I understand it yeah yeah this hammer is made for smashing yeah (laughs) right right (laughs) so when you're writing music for other cartoons uh, do you approach it the same way as like a batman project or do you do something differently because maybe it's say marvel instead of dc 
It all comes. It all comes down to the collaboration with the producers. Um, it's it's almost always the producers of uh, with you know for television, um, and what their vision is, what they how they see their their project. Mm-hmm. So you know whether it's more of a symphonic kind of uh, approach or guitar driven or you know a little little bit of everything. It's. Um, I don't think it's it's all that different. It comes comes down to relationships and and building trust with the with the people that we're working with. Mm-hmm. And uh, always, if we have a choice of meeting in person or just doing you know just doing it by uploading stuff, I mean, at least initially, it's really important to get that face to face and and um, get get them so that they're comfortable uh, critiquing things and feel comfortable that like can, they can share their thoughts and ideas. And us not, you know, crumble if if they don't like something that we've done. Yeah. Um. So it's, uh, you know, it's a it's growing pains. You know, it's a personal. I just remember when I started out, boy, anything and anybody would be wanting me to change anything, I would just like have a nervous breakdown about it and cry and and all that. It's like ah, now it's like oh, you know, and now if I have to change a whole two <laughs> a two minute action scene, I'm a little bit upset, but yeah. you know, you got to do it, right? You got to yeah, yeah. do it. But it's yeah, it's I think the styles are um. I don't think that the, it's different necessarily. Like, oh, we're working with this other universe, and that the whole working relationship is different. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, we have to make sure to not confuse the universes. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. use the Batman theme for an Avengers cartoon or something. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. We could tell some stories, but I would prefer not to. <laughs> like, you know, oh, I almost said something wrong. It's like, oh, I almost, or I did. It's like, oh my gosh. Wrong, wrong universe, wrong character. <laughs> Do you guys get like character notes on like, oh, this person is going to fall in love with this person, that kind of thing, like pre-episode so that you know what you're going into? Or is it just kind of you get to watch the episode and write whatever comes to your mind? We're all big fans of the shows that we work on. Yeah. So every time we get to see a new episode, there's this sense of, oh, my God, I get to see what's happening next <laughs> in the storyline before such and yeah. such. And yeah. I, I will say particularly, particularly in uh, – working with Greg Weisman and Brandon Vietti, they have extensive uh, notes about what characters are going to go where. And so they almost always have to give us a little bit of spoiler here, but this is going to happen in 15 episodes. So if you want to plant that seed of it now, um, so personally it's thrilling to get to see what happens next. And I love it when they want to kind of spill a little bit, but other times they don't. Other times they kind of wait for it to unfold along you know, episode by episode. Yeah, if a show has a short, shorter life, um, like, you know, again, with Spectacular Spider-Man, Greg right. definitely had everything figured out what would happen after after the first two seasons. And then because of all the whole, you know, because of that being a Sony property, yeah. a Sony show, you know, that that's that's definitely one show I'm really sad that we didn't get to do even more. But it's, uh, I wanted to know, I wanted to see all the stories evolve. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool to know that you you get those kind of notes so that you can yeah like put a little motif or character theme here that you'll come back to in a much more grand way later. Yeah. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, Young Justice definitely the fans should listen for that because okay. there's definitely there are seeds that are being planted early on in this season, and so we're hoping that you know we get to go to you know the next season and the next yeah. season and the next season, and so we mm-hmm. finally are evolved into this. You know, humongous theme. <laughs> right. And are you guys already done composing for this season or are you still working on it? No, we're still, uh, we're, we're actually somewhere near the middle, I think, right okay. now. But I know that they're going to be releasing them in, in little blocks. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so at least I, I think that's what they said. 
You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm not. I don't think I'm saying anything that hasn't already been announced. No, I got you. You're good. <laughs> I think it's going to premiere in. Uh, is it well? Whenever the DC service premieres, I think mm-hmm. it's supposed to premiere within that right. the DC universe. Yeah. Yeah. No. No spoilers here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us where Especially Artemis that, is going to end you know. up. Yeah. Does Kid Flash come back? Yeah. No. Don't don't say anything. I don't want to know. <laughs> hey, watch the show. It's a yeah. great show. It's worth watching. Exactly. It, it is, it definitely. I is. really think the fans are going to be happy with it because we're we're blown away by it. So. Awesome. Well, we got a last couple little wrap-up questions here. Um, did you guys have any favorite superheroes as kids? We ask everybody this question. No, is the answer. <laughs> well, my favorite hero is Superman. He's always he's been my favorite since I was a little kid. Okay, I relate to him because of where he's from and kind of how he is as a as a person and how how real he can be. Uh, at least he's real to me. I know for a lot of people he's he doesn't seem real to them sure. because he's not. He seems to not have any flaws, which I think is funny <laughs> because the biggest flaw, of course, is that he doesn't want to be a superhero. He just wants to be a guy. <laughs> Yeah, there's no people that say that don't read Superman comics, obviously. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I growing up, I I wasn't as into the superhero thing. So my superheroes are more like real life uh-huh. people, you know, uh, Martin Luther King and Mother Teresa and Lech Valesa. You know, when the when the wall came down, pe- people, human beings that actually mm-hmm. can impact yeah. impact such dramatic change mm-hmm. in the world. Um, and that's maybe also why I go back to the Batman thing. I mean, I watched the na 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 right. Batman. So you know, after school, I would watch <laughs> yeah. that and the pows and the zows, and I just thought that was just so fun and quirky. I didn't necessarily think of think of uh, that as like superhero. It was just like yeah. fun entertainment. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't read uh, comic books growing up, and and in my particular young childhood, there wasn't really other than the Super Friends cartoon. There wasn't a lot of places to watch superheroes so i gravitated more in this the sci-fi world and so uh like next generation's john luke picard that was my superhero he was my uh, <laughs> adam will be adam's happy to hear that he's a big oh, yes. star trek guy yeah. <laughs> and i did watch wonder back. woman yeah. Yeah. wonder woman too yeah oh when my I was God, she kid. was wonderful Linda wonder Carter. woman and honestly you know um I have to put in a plug. Um, I'm the president of the Alliance for Women Film Composers. <laughs> oh, sweet! And uh, the fact that you know superhero women are really rocking it now, and it's it's mm-hmm. there are a lot of lot of it, it was always like oh, with this our target audience, boys to you know six to fourteen or something. It's like no, there are a lot of little girls out there watching, and they want to be superheroes too. And mm-hmm. and it's great that there's more um, more attention to role modeling and not having you know guys do this and girls do this and you know girls don't get to be superheroes they certainly are superheroes and so hats off to the creatives who who make that happen yeah hey we were mentored by a superhero woman (laughs) oh sure yeah yeah Yeah, well i'm sure that we adam and i are gonna after this call go like kick ourselves for not asking you 20 other questions that we (laughs) think of later (laughs) but i know uh i'll go ahead and ask if there's any upcoming projects that you guys are working on right now besides young justice uh, that you can tell us about uh superhero or otherwise well yes i mean at the other universe we have some stuff going on in the other universe i don't know if we want to talk if that's if you're interested in that, we have to stay in our in the DC universe. No, but whatever's I, fine. We were working on Marvel Rising, which is a really oh, cool okay. new project for Marvel, which um, is you know again going back to the girls. It's a lot of you know it's a lot. It's about uh, uh, 
a divi diverse group of superheroes and um, and it's uh, I think it's it's, it's going to be really powerful for for especially I think for for girls that are now you know really into being superheroes themselves um, and then we are working with something with Bruce Tim but we can't say what it is okay okay yeah we just that we are in the midst of that um, <laughs> and I will put in a I will put in a plug for my partner Christopher who has an <laughs> awesome personal project uh, KR <laughs> protocol which is a uh, you got to check it out it's uh, it, it, it's amazing uh, amazing music that he's he's put out there and uh, and uh, Chris Tell about your uh, your your thing at Convergence. What you were doing with? Oh, them. we. I, well, thank you, Lolita. I'm I'm thrilled to be working on a side project called the KR Protocol. KR being my first two initials, but also Krypton, uh, right. and it's kind of uh, fusing my love of superheroes and uh, storytelling in an EDM format. And I premiered it uh, at Convergence, which is a big uh, superhero sci-fi fantasy convention in Minneapolis uh, just this last month. Um, uh, I have a brand new EP called Activate, which has four songs on it, and uh, one of which is Legion, is sung by Josh Keaton, who was uh, Peter Parker on Spectacular Spider-Man, mm -hmm. and it's Shiro on um, uh, DreamWorks Voltron, and he's a fabulous singer. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm also uh, doing kind of superhero remixes, so I, I on the dance floor, spun... Uh, you know uh, the the Hans Zimmer Wonder Woman theme, but with a dance beat, and <laughs> uh, cool. you know bringing in sci-fi and, and fantasy scores into the into the dance club. Awesome, <laughs> that's pretty unique. I yeah. like that. Um, yeah, that's all we have for you guys. I'm sorry it took about an hour, but I hope that that's okay with your schedules and all that stuff. Well, this has been so much fun, you guys. Thanks so much. Great questions. Thank well, thank you. you. Thank you. Um, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get you guys back for for a follow up. Uh, you know, on the ones that we we realize that oh no, we sh totally should have asked him about the one Batman Beyond episode <laughs> where. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I just realized going through this, we didn't really ask you any Batman Beyond stuff, and I know Christopher was pretty involved in that uh, specifically. Uh, well, not all, all of us were totally. It was it right. was definitely all of us were, and we were under Shirley. She was still yeah. she was still supervising composer on that. Yeah, yeah, we we would be happy to come back and join you and talk about Batman Beyond and all the other stuff. I mean, right. There's, yeah. there's been we've been so thrilled well, with the privilege to work on so many amazing cartoons and, and animated series. And, and we'd love to share more stories with you guys. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much again for, for coming on the show and, and uh, we'll, we'll send you the link to this as soon as it's up and we'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. That's great. Thanks, and good luck with all of your music that you're writing. And yeah. And, and, <laughs> You look like Shh, that. We're back. back. <laughs> we're back now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, how, how do I know? You, well, you look like you you wanted to say something. It was a secret. It was a secret. Went away. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> it's been so long. It's been like over half an hour since we were yeah, last man. talking. That was such a long amount of time between the last time we talked. Uh, um, You're still working on I'm that so same beer. Sweaty. Wow. <laughs> Comic relief, though. I yeah. read the newest Doomsday Clock finally. If you want, oh to talk yeah, about we that. can talk about that. Number six. <laughs> Let me grab my copy real quick. Can you wait like two okay. seconds? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the last time that I heard, you know, I was in, uh, I was in Fred Meyer, and like I saw Ted's mom in there. Oh my god, that's like, not true. Don't you talk about my, my mom friend, like that. Have you that? seen my son Ted? It was nothing. Then... My mom. Hey, mom, if and you're then... listening. Hey. What? 
Hey, Mom. How'd you hear that? I can hear everything. <laughs> <laughs> we toys can hear everything. <laughs> yeah, I was going to end the story with like, yeah, did you hear how my son Ted's an asshole? <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> I was like, Mom. wow, I had no idea. She knows. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> um, I got my copy. Anyway. Did we actually talk? Okay, serious, serious note. Did I don't we think talk we, about this I don't think already? we have yet. I really, well, I think I might have mentioned, like, I don't think you had read it yet. I think I gave a few okay. relatively spoiler-free comments in the last one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I so tried to. Yeah, it's the jo- the Joker is leading Mime and Marionette around, like, Showing them mm-hmm. his gang and where, and they run into like Mr. Freeze goons, and yeah, right. those are so funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he kind of convinces them to like switch over to a Joker because they're trying to rendezvous with Freeze. Like all the villains are meeting together in a warehouse, yeah. and they're on their way there, and they're like, "Well, Mr. Freeze hasn't gotten in touch with us. I guess we'll work for the Joker now." Yeah, and I really, yeah, I really like how they walk in there, and the Riddler's like in the middle of like some big speed, or is it the Riddler? Yeah, it is the Riddler. It, yeah. yeah, everybody's like get banded together, like they're gonna do this thing, and then the Joker comes in. And Everyone's just god damn it. Yeah. Like, we're doing something. We were getting we were productive until now. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how the Mr. Freeze's goons come in, they're like, Oh, it's Mr. Freeze. Oh, he's yeah. gonna he's gonna hate <laughs> oh, it. Shit. He's gonna hate <laughs> he's it when he sees we're with the yeah. Joker now. Uh, yeah, that part was hilarious. Yeah, this whole uh I, I, I I'm liking the DC stuff from this a lot more than the Watchmen stuff for whatever reason. Like uh-huh. I thought it was gonna be the other way around, but I really like them interacting with the new characters and uh and the Watchmen stuff is definitely interesting. Like it's not bad at all. Like a lot of, it's all good stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. I just for whatever reason, like I don't know. D D C by itself is getting stale to me a little bit. And I've not even been reading comics like regularly <laughs> for more than like three years now. Uh-huh. And uh but just like I don't know, like if the Joker shows up if it's not like a big event, it's just gonna be forgettable in six months in, mm-hmm. in like a normal Batman comic. Like, well, I don't know, a thing happens. Bane, Bane did a thing. I am Bane. Who remembers I am Bane? That wasn't. That did nothing. I no, actually there was skipped. No consequence. I skipped that arc. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. so I kind of want to go back the, and read it though because I do like Tom King's run. And there was a really cool yeah. issue. I talked about this on the last episode about um, Joker and Catwoman. Like right before the marriage, the two of sure. them had a little mm-hmm. fight, and that was really cool. So. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, I don't think any of it's bad or anything, but I guess just like, it's not going to be like one of the famous stories, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that this will definitely be like, a, oh yeah, you know, 30, 30 years from now, like, oh, there was that thing that they did, like, no one thought that would ever happen, so. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah. Well, this one actually Especially had by a, the end. this had a big focus on watch like the new Watchmen characters, I don't want to say the Watchmen yeah. characters, because mm-hmm. they weren't in the originals, but we get the origin story from My Man Marionette. And yeah. that, I thought that was really cool. Um, very s- sort of like circus arts macabre. Yeah, it it stuff. fit really yeah. well with like the symmetry of the art. Like, yeah, they would they would have a lot of like this panel of someone's face would reflect like the set, the next one over where they're a little kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or the tr- the stories would like blend together with like an overlap like that pretty well. I really liked that. Um, yeah, the nine-panel grid. I mean, that's like a classic Watchmen yeah. thing, but it's really effective. 
here. It actually took me a second to, like, because it starts off, I think, at, like, the end of Marionette's story with her father, like, being, like, killed by the mob or whatever it was. That's right. And, uh, or yeah. the police, the corrupt police or something, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then it goes back to before that happens, um, where they come in, like, you got the shipment, old man, or whatever. <laughs> like, put right, him, put right. Up the, you, gotta, you gotta give us our stuff. And then, yeah, see, yeah. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> then it goes back to, by the end of it, it goes back to where we started. But I didn't realize that that wasn't, like, already, that didn't already happen. So I was confused for, like, three pages. Like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. But uh, that turned out pretty okay. I liked that Mime has just always been, like, mute. Yeah. Like, he, hasn't said, he doesn't say things. Um, mm -hmm. That's cool. I thought it was really cool that the two of them have kind of been together since they were children, too. So they have yeah. this long history of like growing up together and we haven't caught back up with like rorschach and batman yet like that's it's been well, at least an issue or we've two. caught up with batman because joker wheels him in oh, a, right, yeah. a wheelchair and that's <laughs> right, like okay. how he interrupts the <laughs> i mean meeting. we didn't catch yeah. up with them he was just there he's the been knocked time. out and yeah joker's hanging out with my marionette and they get down in there okay but, but yeah so but was rorschach it, was is it this one or the previous one mm -hmm. that ended with uh yeah the comedian walking in and then Batman's like, this or one. no, it's sorry, not the comedian. Oh my God. There's so many characters. Bat well, uh, <laughs> so the last issue ended with Rorschach um, and Saturn girl getting together and yeah. finding, uh, well, Johnny Thunder found the green lantern battery. Yes. I, th okay. I think all of them are together right now. God, am I, I, need am to I wrong? Like every issue. I need to just read the previous issues in a row. I know. Or at I least just it. flip through it. Yeah. You got yeah. to sometimes, especially since this book comes out every other month. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, those people that out <laughs> their comics too much. Yeah, um, it happens. But uh no, it was really good. Um I'm I I don't have a lot to say. Like I all that we end up doing with Doomsday Clock until it's done is just kind of recount what happened and go, Oh, I like that or I didn't like that. Like I look forward to a point where we can be like, Oh as yeah, a whole the thing that the thing that Doctor Manhattan did, he did this thing and it it, it, yeah, that was the thing from issue one and oh my god mm -hmm. that kind of thing like i look forward to that because it hasn't really happened yet it's just been like giving right. you more and more starting points and yeah. well you know i have a theory <clears throat> because in issue one i guess the only thing we really see is that he probably killed paul and ma kent to make clark right, kent okay. have a more tragic backstory because remember that's like yeah. the end of issue one is him having that nightmare yeah of their deaths, yeah. And so I think there's something to that tied up with the whole Superman theory, which is dealt with a bit in this issue. Um, there's mm -hmm. that guy, what's his name, Typhoon? Yeah, Typhoon's that uh, villain with the blue skin. I think he's like an obscure Firestorm villain. I could mm. be wrong. Oh, yeah, no, I, yeah, he was, um, he they might do a be little, I, I've been skipping the them stuff most at the very issues, end. But I read his little biography. Well, yeah, I want to yeah, talk yeah. about that in a second because it was really cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it added a lot. Well, we'll talk about it now. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> the whole yeah the whole stuff in the back like so there's rumors that typhoon um who's got all these like hydro powers he is mm -hmm. like a villain but secretly maybe a government agent who yeah. is impersonating a villain and this whole superman theory is that the government is responsible for creating various metahumans around the world like it's a mm -hmm. um on purpose sort of thing and so yeah like otherwise it's too coincidental that they keep popping right. up everywhere or whatever especially yeah. nuclear powered characters if they were involved in some sort of nuclear accident yeah so which very Nuc much nuclear. involved with dr manhattan possibly so typhoon um he gets killed he's he's assassinated by the comedian and at the end of the issue 
the bonus material is like all these files from the um, Department of mm-hmm. Extra Normal Operations or whichever government agency sends them. Um, and it's like closing the case on Typhoon. So he actually was a government agent. And it's yeah. um, someone's requesting to like reveal the truth to the world so they can see the agent for like who he really was. And then I think it might be Amanda Waller, but someone like signs off and they're like, Nope, we're not going to do that. And they have like the most basic obituary. It doesn't, it's not like too damning of him as I think it still mentions that he was a supervillain. Yeah, it does. It's basically like, it doesn't dwell on it, but the the whole obituary is like this, his secret identity is dead. He, if you want to donate, to the victims of his criminal actions, you can do it at this fund. Or Kickstarter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's like you his know, whole I, I obituary. I kind of got the same vibe from like when in JLU when uh, Cadmus is like, hey, Captain Adam, remember when you're like, you were loyal to the military, we need you to do that again kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Like not the same uh, like plot, but the same like kind of type of person. And he's also like a blue guy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you get a couple of other hints in here of some of the other metahumans. It's suggesting Giganta and the Creeper are also involved in the oh, this like. I must have missed that somehow. But that's yeah, cool. yeah, their photos are just kind of hanging out here in the file too. So, the Creeper parentheses Jack Ryder close parentheses. I think so. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. right. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> uh, uh, I also read the newest Justice League, the Legion of Doom. Number, number one kind of oh, thing. Oh, I think that was Justice League 5. Because I think number six is out already. Oh, God. But damn. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I actually I, I have it, but I haven't read number six yet. So That must have come out like yesterday or whatever then, like this it, week. I think it was um, the week before yesterday. Ah, uh, uh, James. <laughs> but anyway, no, I, it's good. Uh, very brief uh, of uh, disc- or discussion of it, but it's... Um, it doesn't really feel like it's about the legion of it's more about lex luthor like mm-hmm. personally um like i expected like oh the legion of doom number one like it's going to be like something from their side of the story that we haven't well and it was yet. and it was technically but it was like a prequel yeah. or like it was, filled in like, the it was showing how like lex luthor has been like getting these signs and he's been on in on this for a while he's been plotting he's been putting this together mm-hmm. for some time and he's like going back in time and being like sinestro don't do what you're doing do this instead and he's like oh okay is it a time travel thing or it's a, the like i think in that instance it, he just was able to like do that temporal jump sort of thing because oh, i took that oh, as yeah, like it was time travel because he, he went all the way forward first yeah yeah he went like to near the end of the <laughs> yeah the super universe. super future yeah right everything's dead and exploding and like mm-hmm. it's because of you you bitch and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no that was super cool the whole issue was a lot of fun that was kind of a rock of ages style jump to the future I like oh no what's too. going on <laughs> mm-hmm. this is like i've said i thought this whole series is very reminiscent of uh grant yeah. morrison's jla <laughs> Which I love. This is yeah. This I'm probably it's not like a placebo effect of like oh yeah oh it's it's the lineup that I want it's uh-huh. the writers that I want it's the artists that I want like all this stuff. I don't like, know, I hope man. It's if like, you, it's if you're enjoying good. it, I think it's actually good. I am I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. enjoying it. <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter as long as I'm enjoying. It. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel. Yeah, I think this is the best the Justice League book has been in a long time, and yeah. and I'm a very vocal Jeff Johns fan, and I even yeah. thought his like the Dark Side War and all that like he had some really strong moments in that series, mm-hmm. but this is 
I don't know. I think I think it's just like Martian Manhunter is what does it for me. I think Martian Manhunter yeah. is just like a critical part of the JLA. Yeah, he's an integral member that they. Yeah. I don't know. He's been it's missing like for I a hate while. Cyborg, like I enjoy Cyborg being there, but mm-hmm. like I don't think he. I think he's good as like another member, not yeah. a like, replacement. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I like that. I I hope Cyborg sticks around. I'm glad yeah. that he that he's still there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's all I read. So I, I was uh, we also, have I was gonna so mention, many. Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. I think I think you took both. <laughs> I had I had two separate ones. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay. So I was um, I read Sandman Universe by Neil Gaiman, and or actually it's like by Neil Gaiman and a bunch of the other writers and artists that are doing books in the new Sandman universe. So uh-huh. basically, Vertigo Comics is rebooting. Sandman into more of an imprint and a franchise. So there's a few books that are coming up in the next few months. And this book was sort of like the prequel. Like it's the book that you would read to see if you're interested in reading any okay. of the others. The number series. zero. Yeah, sort of kinda. Um the gist Who does of it that and then doesn't do issues very frequently. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, the gist of it here is like um Dream who's the main character of Neil Gaiman's Sandman epic from the 90s, is missing. And he um, is kind of the keeper of the dream world. And so since mm. he's been gone, it's all been kind of falling into chaos, and a- aspects of magic are kind of seeping into the real world. And it's just really chaotic. So there's a few books coming out that are spinning out of this. One of them Did being you say the Dreaming. Still, is it Neil Gaiman? What? Well, he helped write this number zero issue, but the rest okay. of the series are by other people. Um, okay. And I don't actually have their names in front of me right now, so I can't tell you. But there are, there are four <laughs> upcoming books. One of them, The Dreaming, which is set in the dream world, and it's about this new character who's super powerful, and I guess just like what she has to do to, to help save that universe. There's um, another book called Books of Magic, which... Neil Gaiman also wrote in, I think, the late 90s. I forget when it was exactly published. But um, the original Books of Magic is so much fun. It's a four-chapter mm. book that just explores all the magical nature of the DC universe. So you see people like Etrigan make cameo appearances and like mm-hmm. every sort of magical thing you can think of. Um, the This boy, who's really... He's a lot like Harry Potter. He's He looks just like <laughs> Harry Potter. He's got glasses... Um, he's a witch boy. He he's is Clarion. He, huh? he is a witch boy, <laughs> but he's not Clarion. And he's not Harry Potter. But it, <laughs> her, her, his name her. his name is Tim Hunter. There, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Hunter. Yeah, in the original series, he's like guided by the Phantom Stranger and Doctor Occult and mm. John Constantine and like basically just the trench coat brigade of the dc universe <laughs> they show him just in case <laughs> yeah there you go yeah so that's tim hunter he's gonna be in another books of magic series and there are two more there's house of whispers which i actually don't know much about so that's happening i forget the details <laughs> <laughs> you could have just made that up that's not a thing <laughs> the description here it says the world of voodoo mythology crashes into the dreaming i do remember this now from the book there's like a crocodile creature with a black top hat who's pretty cool okay. it's set in like new orleans like voodoo yeah sort of magic like that so yeah Santeria the princess and, and the that. frog villain yeah yeah and then the last one is lucifer which is like the the fox tv show or it was yeah. nbc it was a fox 
I forget who did uh, Lucifer. It's not CW, I don't think. So no. It's one of it's something else. Yeah, it's got but Trisha was... Helfer in it, who's number hey, six hey. in Battlestar Galactica. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that series is based off the original Lucifer comic that spun out of the original Sandman. So now this is like. <laughs> okay. This is like a reboot of oh, that. I had Lucifer no idea they were connected. Show. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, so that's Sandman Universe. I read, I read number zero. I think I'm gonna probably read the Dreaming out of all those. I was interested in that one. Okay. But yeah, and then um, I'll mention this just really briefly. I also read a book called Roughneck, which was written and drawn by Jeff Lemire or Lemire. Okay. I don't know mm-hmm. how you say his last name but that's okay. I don't either, so in this case, I won't correct you. Yeah, I'm going to be at um, <laughs> NC Comic Con in uh, Bull City, Durham, in November, where he is going to be there. So I'm going to meet him, and I'm going to ask oh, cool. him how he says his last name. <laughs> how the hell do you say <laughs> No, I'll just listen to someone else It'll say his like name Limeer first. It'll be like or something like uh-huh. weird that you don't expect. I won't ask him and just listen to the person in front Maybe of me. Maybe it's like Lemier, like it's French. There you go. Roughneck was really cool. It was a graphic novel that was like done as a graphic novel, not individual issues. Even though it has chapters, it was just published as one big hardback mm-hmm. book. And so I read it in one sitting, read it in night, and it was about this hockey player who's living in this small town in Canada. So it's like so, it's really southern gothic, even though it's set in Canada. Um, just in the like small country town feel sort of thing. Hey, that's near me, but not really. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't know what part of Canada. It's a big place, so. <laughs> yeah, it's technically it's near most places. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this guy's like best friends with the local cop, but he like this ex hockey player just gets really drunk in bars and just looks for fights. Like he's he's usually picks fights with people who deserve them. Like he's kind of a vigilante, but mm-hmm. he's just like this big guy just looking for a violent outlet. And so eventually his little sister is like a junkie, comes back to live with him, and her boyfriend, her baby daddy, is looking for her, um, and so he has to like protect her from him. And it's a really cool book, mm. pretty intense, but beautiful art. And Not very similar to any like, superhero-y thing we no. normally read. No, no, no. <laughs> and uh, I, try, I try to jump around. I try not to yes. just read capes and tights, although I did read strictly like superheroes in DC comics for years before I got yeah. into the indie scene. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah. I follow Jeff. I, I read and yeah, basically everything he, Jeff L. he does. <laughs> Jeff L. Good old Jeff L. Mr. L. Jeff L. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I see comics like that on the shelf and then I go like, that's something I should read. And then I don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I admire your courage. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a pretty popular writer and artist, yeah. so he's he was he's done stuff for DC. Like Jeff has, <laughs> we're not saying his last name. Anymore. We're on a first name basis. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So he has. Good old Jeff. He wrote Animal Man when DC did their new Fifty Two oh, yeah, yeah. launch, and he's he also did Green Arrow at the same time. And he's done some other stuff since. I think he might be doing Hawkman. No, he did. He did the Hawkman special that was part of Metal, but I don't think he's actually doing the book now. So he he okay. jumps in the superhero world every now and then too. That's all. That's all I got. Cool. So yeah. uh, <laughs> what I would what I would like to do now. My phone is dying quickly, and all of these things are on my phone. And I think uh, so. We have seven messages from people. Ooh, let's do it. <laughs> so we got to go like. Hyper fire, hyper or, free, or charge your phone, or charge your phone through this. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, 
at Ironman14JH on <laughs> Twitter says, hey, I have a question for you guys. What would you say, or sorry, would you say the simplified Bruce Tim style from STAS and TNBA is just in the JL and JLU, or do you say there's some BTAS season one through three details and stuff mixed in uh, JL and JLU? I know it's an odd question, but it was something I've been thinking about from one of your mm-hmm. podcasts. So I don't know if you have anything to say on this personally. Well, I would but... say yes, because there are strictly yeah. characters like Dr. Milo, who appear in JLU. He's a good example. We see yeah. Hugo Strange for a second, but he was ridden out of that later episode right. and replaced with um, Dr. Moon. Is that right? Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then like there's other hints here and there of BTS. I mean, like, well, let's use STS for an example, the demon reborn, uh, Rachel Ghoul's the villain there. Right. And there's definitely references to his appearances in BTS because I think that's the first and only time we see him in that updated animation style. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. um, well, we see like a like one shot of him in the Batman Beyond one when you That's see like right. him inside Talia's brain or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, there's there's um, I I've always thought this was weird because like there's certain characters that they'll take that appeared on like New Batman Adventures of Superman that they'll update to a more Justice League design. Like Darkseid is an example. He got mm-hmm. a little more Kirby looking than yeah. Stas. Um, Let's see what's what's another example. Jo- Joker, maybe. Um, jo- I mean, mm-hmm. Joker got a reboot and designed to look more like his Return of the Joker appearance in Batman Beyond. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but like, then there's yeah. other characters like Firefly or Luminous or whatever that'll show up, and they're just copy paste exactly yeah. how they looked in the other thing. And look, like, Vul- I know got a, a suit. Lot, they're very like brief appearances, so it's not that huge of a deal. But I always thought it was weird that like characters like Superman get a change to look slightly updated but like lois lane looks identical to how she did in mm-hmm. in the other cartoons and stuff and for the most part like the art updates are just like how muscular people are like how detailed the muscularness mm-hmm. the muscles are or people's facial features and that kind of a thing like i think uh they kind of realized that maybe the TNBA STAS stuff was a little too simplified, like a little too like yeah. Tunes TNBA is kind of especially, thing. Yeah. and then they kind of like brought back some of the BTAS detail mm-hmm. by the time of, but it's still like streamlined enough, like simplified enough to where it fits in the kind of TNBA more like more toward that than BTAS because BTAS is a lot less rigid and a lot less um, like mm-hmm. it's harder to be on model with those characters because they're very like. Yeah, uh, the kind of curvy. There's yeah. a lot of wrinkles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we we kind of adapt that kind of thing for legacies every once in a while. Like I'll make a creative decision, or we will together for like updating. So like we did with Robin in his two appearances so far, where like so we got gave him green. highlights on his costume and mm-hmm. we made them green and stuff like that because we feel like. You know, maybe if he had appeared on JLU, he might have been updated to look like that. Or same with Batgirl, we updated her a little bit. It brought back some of the BTAS detail to her face and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I we try to stay true to what we, as, like, super fans of these shows, believe that they might have done had this happened. But it's also quite possible that they would have just put back... Like, for instance, uh, Supergirl <laughs> is technically updated from her... Uh, stas character design in jlu not from the co- not the new costume but like mm-hmm. even just her first appearance because her nose on stas is just one line just one little tiny line that's like here's a little nose cute little button <laughs> and then in jlu they add the bridge of her nose back oh into it. wow and so like i never noticed that's that. 
Yeah. So like that's <laughs> that they do that with the girls a lot. Is like they'll be like, oh, the like Harley Quinn is like that in Batman and Harley Quinn. They added the bridge of her nose oh, back in. That's well, like the only change. Yeah. The more so, you know. Yeah. The more you knows. Okay, let's go to the next one. Uh oh, same same person. Oh no, sorry, sorry. Yep, same person. Uh okay. Uh remember in JLU when Wonder Woman was made out of clay and brought to life by Hades and Hippolyta or the help with Hades? Yes, 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 I do. I, I well, do too. In, J- <laughs> in the JL episode Paradise Lost, Hades realizes Hippolyta has a daughter and even wonders if she is as loving as her mother. Was Hades lying? Wait. I think first off, what what? You mean what? what? Wait, Hades lying about being helping carve Diana out of clay is that what you mean sure I think like the question is how like in Paradise Lost they probably didn't know that they were going to write him in as like the father the oh, clay father so okay. he says like Hippolyta you didn't tell me you had a daughter and mm-hmm. then later he's like oh I helped make you that's right so like why would he say that kind of but I, I attribute that to the same as Doomsday saying I just came here to see this be- the best this planet had to offer. I am not impressed. And then later mm-hmm. turning out to be a Cadmus thing, like they just kind of retcon it a little bit. It's not that right, huge of a deal. Right. It's just a little weird. I don't know. Um, well, I think it was like, um, I, I mean, I think he might have been lying when he appeared and was like, oh, you didn't tell me you have a daughter. He knew. Uh-huh. He knew who she was. It was more <clears throat> of like maybe like, a, oh, you didn't <coughs> tell your daughter about me. Might have been right. what he was saying <clears throat> in the, the, the context of it. Or thing, so. I, I've always interpreted that line like watching it again, knowing that he helped her or he at least says that. I've always I've interpreted that line as like maybe like he and Hippolyta got together and they, you know, they're in love, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. they like they want a kid or something like they're going to do that. And then like he's like helping her mold Diana but they don't bring her to life. And then he gets tossed into Tartarus like, oh, you got to go in there forever. And then without him, she brings Wonder Woman to life. And so then when he says, like, you didn't tell me you had a daughter, it's him saying, like, fuck you. You did that without me. What the hell? Right, <laughs> like, we were supposed right. to do that together. So, that, that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. That's another one. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, uh, oh, he's talking about... Um, a, a suggestion for the um, ma- this is the same person again. <laughs> a suggestion for the male segment name uh, was uh, the Cosmic Treadmail, <laughs> which I which like I said it. was was very creative and clever. But the only time we see the Cosmic Treadmill in the DCAU is like one Justice League Adventures issue, which is probably not canon. <laughs> so uh-huh. it's like I don't know. It's it's I like it, but I also kind of just like calling it Untitled Male Segment. I don't know. <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> but I always don't. I don't always get what I want because Ted has a say as well. Um, <laughs> it, it'll get a title one day. It'll it'll get a yeah, title. Sure. You guys, I think keep just at nothing it. has struck us as like, oh, that's it. That's the perfect thing. But we appreciate input from people. Um, keep it coming. Okay, here's here's another one. Uh, this is from oh, their name got cut off. I think it's from our um, Jeff Lemire. No. Okay. <laughs> I think it's from the the justice no justice no no justice no peace or something like that. It's like it's a guy that comments on a lot of our stuff. Thanks. Um I and, uh, I agree no justice no peace. Yeah, for sure. I apologize if that's not who this is. I accidentally cut off their name, but I think that anyway. 
He says, uh, so, so you guys take questions? Actually, I, I'm going to I'm gonna double check this because I, I don't want to get this wrong. No, I, I think you're right, actually. I do remember this comment. This is on it, my it last is. video. You're, you're on correct. last podcast episode. Hey, don't don't play the podcast. I just want to. I just want to find this. Okay. You're right. You're right, though. Uh, this is, no, this is from Switzerland. Oh, Tours. my gosh. Wow. Sorry I'm about wrong. that. Sorry about that. Okay. okay. So you guys take questions from the comment section like this one? Well, I do indeed happen to have a few questions, and you guys can choose to either answer in the form of a comment or in the next 12 level of likes. I mean, if that's cool with you guys. Okay, number one. <laughs> Are there it's any cool. DCAU characters slash concepts that, you have yet, that have yet to be used in other media that you'd like to see more of in the Ooh. future? Like, say, Red Claw from BTAS, Volcana from ST. Yes, though the latter is also the name of a Marvel character, so there might be difficulty with that. Well, they'll mm. probably think of something. Um, I agree about Red Claw for sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I was about to say something I can't say out loud. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I. Uh, no, that's a good example. I don't. Yeah, I don't Red Claw's um, great. Have a better like thing that I can think of right now. That's like DC, just DCAU. Um, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of how Livewire has been interpreted into Supergirl. Like, I think that's her li- only live action mm-hmm. appearance so far. I'd um, like to see more Baby Doll. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's a good Batman. Oh, that'd be an interesting one to try to interpret yeah, <laughs> into she's, a she's show or movie. Um, uh, a lot of Batman Beyond villains. I yeah. think, like mm-hmm. Ink. Like, I mean, Batman Beyond in general needs to be yeah. brought. I mean, it's they they have an ongoing comic. And it is ongoing. Like, it definitely takes place years yeah. after the show mm-hmm. and continues on with his life. And it's great to see that. But I, whenever I read, and I, I do read every month, I keep up with the, the current title. But it just always feels like a bit of an alternate universe to me. Like, it's still very familiar to the show, but just, like, yeah, <clears throat> a little t- further along. Well, this is, like, set in the Rebirth stuff, I think. Or at least, like, a kind of alternate Rebirth future or something like that. So it's yeah. not, like, GCAU, it's, really. It's... Yeah. It's also kind of post like uh, Future's End was a really big event yeah. that redefined Batman Beyond, and like the current series looks back on Future's End as a major incident, and they've now had to like rebuild all of the world from that. So now it's very much more reminiscent to Batman Beyond, yeah. but it's like people still talk back about oh that whole Future's End disaster where we had yeah. to like you know, and I know fix some, the whole some world. Batman Beyond characters, yeah. some Batman Beyond characters are not like original characters. like. Blight's basically Dr. Phosphorus, and mm-hmm. uh, Spellbinder already existed, but like a lot of them are reinterpreted or like Royal Flesh cool Gang. Futuristic ver- yeah, Royal Flesh Gang existed, but they're like futuristic, cool versions of them that we haven't seen before. And I think that it's, it would be nice to see some of those kinds of things happen. Not like take those characters, but like take a character that already exists and no one really cares oh, about who's... and spin them into a better version for a movie or something. Yeah, but, yeah. Who's that animator on Instagram that we follow who does a lot of character Tommy designs? Tommy Tejeda. Yeah, he just <laughs> released a splicer design the other day that was based oh, yeah. off Rob Zombie. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> awesome. I liked it. Yeah. I don't know. Just look him up. It's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, no. He's, uh, <laughs> yeah, this week he's been posting a lot of robot uh, like a lot of like Iron he, Man, he, he posted his like design for the Gollum thing from Batman Beyond, oh, the big robot. Yeah. And uh, but he also has been posting like six or seven different like trial and error pre designs for it. Like they, oh, they didn't cool. like this one, so I did a different one and whatever. So that was pretty cool. I um, actually I just, I saw that. And I thought that the first uh, Gollum design that he did or Golem. 
Gollum is yeah. Lord of the Rings Golem. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the first design had <laughs> he did, like he designed Smeagol from Lord yeah. of the Rings. Um, but the but the first design for the Batman Beyond character had like an eye on the suit. Yeah. It looked very brother eye, like Omac inspired, yeah, yeah. which is funny because it would have been like years before the Infinite Crisis right, version yeah. of Omac. <laughs> Yeah, it was time. And no, Omac is all I about liked, Future's uh, End. The whole like Future's End thing is because of Brother Eye and Omac. So. <laughs> yeah, the synchronicity. Uh, the half of his like pre designs were they had like backward knee like chicken legs or like like bird leg things like they had <laughs> like you know what I mean where like the knees are pointing the wrong <laughs> direction. Uh-huh. And yeah, I actually yeah. thought that looked a lot cooler for a robot than what we ended up getting because it was is now it's just like a big dude mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's right. still really cool to see those. Um. Anyway, we got off a little off topic. He says. Uh, he says, personally, I'd like to see more of Ink from Batman Beyond. She yeah, was an interesting and formidable opponent for Terry in the show. I'd also like to see more Roxy Rocket. I mean, we did get to see her as a minor character in White Knight. Yes. Um, Which yeah. oh, I think Baby Doll was in that first second, too. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, what do you guys feel about the Batgirl cameo in Batman Bad Blood? Do you think that'll go somewhere or just stay as a fun little cameo? I've been thinking about that since it happened because we have yet to see her show up mm-hmm. in another. You know what he's talking about? Like the end yeah, of the movie, yeah, Batgirl shows up for like she, five seconds. Like, she's I'm in coming, her, and then doesn't I, do anything. Right. I think they call it her Burnside uniform because like she was living in some place called Burnside during yeah. that era of the comics. See, so it's a like purple suit with like the little like yeah, uniform. The, it's like an exact copy pretty much of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. New 52, yeah. Or like later New 52, not the beginning of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, one, the one made of like, like a motorcycle jacket kind of looking thing. Right. Yeah. No, I'd like to see that happen. I'm not like a huge fan of those movies, but I do like that they have like a shared continuity, and she and like I hate them just teasing that and not bringing her mm-hmm. in. So. I enjoyed Definitely. Bad Blood. I thought Bad Blood was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that it'll lead into Hush? That's the only possibility I can oh, see. Oh yeah, that's po- that is a good. That would make sense. I mm-hmm. really hope that Hush is not New Fifty Two style movie though. But I would love it to be its own separate thing with Kevin yeah. Conroy and everyone back and yeah. I don't know if we'll get that, but we'll okay, see. Okay, number three. <laughs> Your thoughts on the whole Hrotalic and Carter Hall thing. Ooh. I think what he means by that is, like, I've talked about this in a few videos where they do a character with, an, like, a new version of a character that's like, ooh, this is cool. It's like Hawkman, but not really. Mm-hmm. And then they just later go back and just do the original character anyway. Like, <laughs> I, I like seeing those interpreted, but I also like, just like just do the thing. Just stick to your guns. Do the thing that you were going to do. I don't know. Sure. Well, I don't have a problem with it, personally, because yeah. Hawkman is such a convoluted character in the comic books anyway he (laughs) he actually like this has happened before in a way like there's been two different hawkmans or two different hawk girls like i'll use hawk girls a more specific example because it makes more sense in my head hawkman's Uh just oh my god so hawk girl in around 2006 around the infinite crisis era there was kendra saunders who was the hawk girl in the jsa series that was by jeff johns and so she for all intents and purposes was hawk girl but then um so this like really came to my attention when I first read the Rand Thanagar War leading up to Infinite Crisis. Shaira Hole is alive and operating as Hawk Woman, um, and she's still on Thanagar and she's still <clears throat> a cop and everything. And so it's like she ends up working with Kendra Saunders in that era. And so it was like, okay, so we have a Hawk Woman and a Hawk mm-hmm. Girl. Okay, <laughs> and then it, so it took me a minute to realize like, okay, one of them's from an yeah. alien planet. <laughs> that was a cop the other one is like a reincarnated ancient egyptian goddess okay i can separate (laughs) that in my mind Uh, one's a space cop one's a goddess from egypt 
cool. And so the DCAU did the same thing with Hawkman. One was a, you know, general of Thanagar from mm-hmm. a planet, and the other is a reincarnated Egyptian god who came from Thanagar originally, but his soul has been reincarnated over the years and is now Carter Hall. So that makes right. sense in my head. And just because the similar thing has happened in the comics. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. Like now I did at the time a lot more because I was, I was, you know, there was like, I, I'm not familiar with any of the characters until they appear in a DCAU thing. And so mm-hmm. like, you know, the super buddies forums and everything that we were involved with were like freaking out. Like they can't, do Hawkman like that? What the hell? And then I was like, oh no, I like it. It's cool. I understand what the story's supposed to be to an extent, and they're doing a different thing. And then they just brought mm-hmm. him on anyway later. And I was kind of like, ah oh, man, just do the thing. I don't know. <laughs> just yeah. want just. Oh no, they're they're totally different. Yeah, I mean, I I get it, but I I like it. I like Hirotel like, as a separate character, and yeah. like, you know, yeah, yeah. So all right, it works uh, for me. Oh, and by extension, your thoughts on Hawk Girl. Well, let's say that we already said that. Um. <laughs> I, I kind of did, actually. Kind of used her as a way to talk about Hawkman. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I uh, like, yeah. Chinese, Chinese Fox. We're almost done. <laughs> Chinese Fox says Speaking of intellect, in season two of Justice League, episode 11, Batman said that they're uh, about. Almost three... episode 12. I don't think that. No, he means Justice League Unlimited, I think. Batman said there are only about three people in the world smart enough to hack into the Watchtower. Mm. Two of them were already on the Watchtower, leaving Luthor the only other one. Who were those other two? Was Batman one of them? Ray Palmer, John Henry Irons. Yeah, we've gotten this request like as like for a video uh, several Mm -hmm. times, and yeah, it's pretty like Batman. I guess for some reason isn't one of them. No, I count him. I mean, he he should be up there. Did he, but, does he say there's five people and two of them are already oh, on the Watchtower? So well, I guess he's the third yeah. one. Well, it could be Mr. Terrific <clears throat> also. Mr. Terrific, Ray Palmer, and John Henry Irons are up there for me. And Batman and Lex Luthor, mm-hmm. I guess. I think those might be the five. <laughs> yeah, the final five. If it's not five, then I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'd I have to look back what's... and see like where the Atom and Steel and Mr. Yeah, Terrific were. are in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, Steel simultaneously is on the Watchtower. It's all powered down and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's typically the same. Like, even in the comics, they've said that before. Like, you know, they'll say, like, oh, the five smartest people in the universe. Mr. Trivik says he's, like, the second or third smartest man in the world. Yeah. He he says he has some some bragging (laughs) rights like that. It's like, you could have gone ahead and said you're the first smartest, like, if you wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're the only one in the room. Yeah. Like, there's only three people smart enough to do that and i'm two of them so yeah. <laughs> bat and man i'm bat and man. Yeah, batman and bruce wayne i'm shit <laughs> um yeah yeah batman's um, street real... smart <laughs> okay yeah uh last i think we have one more oh no that was the last one hooray <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for sending questions. Uh, we really, we really appreciate the the input and like discussion topics to bring up because um, we we dedicate this whole little segment to what you guys want us to talk about. There's some stuff that we we see come in and then we go like, oh, that's a good idea for like a full video. I won't answer that in a question, but sometimes it's like, oh no, okay, like your thoughts on this thing, like we just did. So yeah, it's a lot of uh, fun too. It's yeah. nice to be put on the spot and not prepare. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah it, it sometimes it's more fun yeah for us to discuss it like that than to just like write a whole script about it or whatever and then by the time we're done talking about it we're like i'm so sick of talking about hawk girl or whatever <laughs> so i could talk about hawk girl forever oh my goodness what does that say about y- you I don't, mm, know. I don't know um well thanks for listening everybody <laughs> that's the end of the podcast today uh thanks to the dynamic music partners again for speaking with us if they're somehow still listening to this podcast <laughs> doubtful um it was really fun to talk to them, and I think Adam had a good time too, despite like he was pretty quiet throughout it. But I gave him only a handful of questions, to ask, so but he did express a lot of uh, like gratitude for being able to be on that. So I'm glad we could get him on there. Uh, we're on iTunes and YouTube. The podcast is out every other Monday. Uh, Ted's <laughs> supposed to be working on Spotify, but uh, we also <laughs> I'll be looking asked... into it. <laughs> <laughs> someone else about Google Play. I think at some point we're just gonna have to say like these are the are the the the, the places <laughs> that the podcast mm-hmm. is because like you know eventually like there's so many like streaming apps, so many things. So and there's gonna be new um, ones all the time. Yeah, there's gonna make an. Can you go on Vimeo? Can you put your stuff on Vimeo? Um, can we? iTunes links in the description. Of the can YouTube we do version of the video? Can we put it on what? Venmo? <laughs> what? Send us money. All right. <laughs> <laughs> can we email a transcript of every podcast to each individual subscriber, please? Um, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not meaning to say that your request is stupid. Just, just it's gonna be at the <sighs> place. It'll be the places that it is. Um, okay. Thank you to Adam, Adam Mullen again for the music that he does for the start of this and all the other things. That's musica-atomica.com where you can find him. We are on social media at DCAU Watchtower. You can also get a hold of us at info at watchtowerdatabase.com. Uh, that's our email that we do on the place. Uh, video schedule. The videos are out Sunday, Thursday, Monday, Tuesday. Except current week, there's no that we're. This is the second week of the two week break, so we did the podcast, and that's that's good enough for now. Okay, just calm down. <laughs> and, we'll be back uh, soon. We, our next upcoming video is uh, was voted on by the patrons. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. You'll find out. Subscribe. <laughs> uh what's the last oh a patreon <laughs> go to patreon.com slash dcau watchtower that's a place where you can help us out if you'd like to we do lots of cool things for you you can do cool things for us by helping us to do be able to do to do more of more of those things the, more of the things not, yeah on maybe one day james can afford better beer than bud light I hope the day Maybe. is today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that, we'll uh, we'll we'll see you on the other <laughs> side. We got we got to get catchphrases. Um, got to get catchphrases. We got to get catchphrases for the end. That of was the a episodes. question. Someone asked me. Someone asked me if I had a catchphrase, and I was like, "Yeah, it's... yeah, <laughs> it's it's, it's <laughs> apostrophe it's... tt apostrophe." Um. What do I click. say? What's my thing? Do I have a Do I have a catchphrase? Your thing. Yeah, I don't what? know. Do you have a catchphrase? Uh, someone Someone commented with like, "Oh, Maddie says um, this, James says this," but I don't remember what mine was. Wup dup dup dup. Is my new catchphrase? All right. Well, I'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>